1: Your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. the deep. Bam going back, looking up. He will watch it fly. And 29 other MLB clubs. 2-2 pitch on Trout, and he blasts one. Way back. Goal. for Cody Bellinger hits one out. He also, he's your home run derby champion. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe. From spin rate to juiced balls to game-changing moments, we have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. Live. Here's Chris Townsend.
2: I cannot tell you how much I have missed all of you. I really have. I mean, I've been jonesing not being on the air. It's been crazy having this much time off, but it's great to be back. So much has happened since the last time we were on the air. The Astros are still cheaters. We know that. But Commander Cody got engaged. The A's have a new catcher. No longer are they going to have Jerickson Profar as their second baseman. And we're going to find out here. I don't know when the actual deadline is. Is it at 4 o'clock? It probably is is right now. But there is a deadline that we're going to find out whether Blake Tryon is going to remain with the A's or not. So we got a lot going on, and we have some phenomenal guests for you today. So this is what we got going today. Steven Piscotti is going to join us, A's right fielder at 115. Martin Gallegos from MLB.com at 130. Glenn Kuyper, the TV face of your Oakland Athletics, will be here at 2 o'clock. The Hall of Famer, one of the greatest managers in the history of the game. A's Hall of Famer, Tony La Russa will be here at 2.30, and Will Leach will be here at 3.30 from MLB.com. He's written this great article about the best players of this past decade. Uh, don't want to blow the secret, but, yeah, Mike Trout's number one. <laughs> Mike Trout is. You know, Commander, get on. C- congratulations. Uh, getting engaged uh, to your lovely fiancé now and – I just found out about it a little bit ago, and congratulations.
3: Thank you. Uh, the the, ex, the expected date was going to be a, de- a hard deadline of December 14th. I, I capped it around like 7 p.m. Pacific time, so 10, 10 Eastern for people who are going to listen to this on delay later. But I did it early. I got the ring. In Mexico? I co- no, I did it here. Okay. Uh, I, I picked up the ring Saturday when I got back from my cruise, which was uh, fun. And then... I just did it Saturday night before she went to work because I, I I didn't know what to do with the ring. I didn't want to hide it. I was like, let's might as well do it now. And I, and I had a nice. I, way I remember
2: that. I mean, it was a long time for me. It was 18 years ago, but I remember when you have that ring, like you're stressed out about it because you don't want to. You know, you're just. You, it's a lot of money. It's a big investment, and you don't want to screw it up. You don't want to lose it. You don't want it to get stolen, and and especially if you're doing it when you're traveling. You know, you don't want to put it in your suitcase. So you put it in your pocket, but you got to go through the airport. So, but congratulations.
3: Thank you. Hopefully, second time's the charm. Hopefully,
2: yeah. Don't screw this one up. I
3: know, like, I, I tweeted out yesterday. Um, I'm two thirds away of becoming Ross Geller. Yeah, I mean, so,
2: my Aunt Judy was married four times. It's not pretty. Yeah, I'm hoping that this let's is Let's have a little commitment end. here. Yeah, this is all the right? end. This is the end, I'm all hoping. Right, all right, let's try for this one.
3: I'm 31 years old. I don't know how much longer I can go with if, if it doesn't.
2: So, Jerks and Profar has been traded to the San Diego Padres, according to Jeff Passan from ESPN. And the first thing I say is, thank God. Like, I I, – it was tough watching him play. It really, really was. He's got a throwing issue. He's got the yips. Like a golfer in putting – Salute out to the great Ken Korak, who's making his way back to the Bay Area as we speak in the rain. And everybody out there, be safe, because this is um, this weather has been awful. Of course, Ken has his book signing with Susan on December 14th. We'll give you more details next week when we're at the winter meetings. But shout out to the voice of summer, Ken Korak, who's uh, making his way back to the Bay Area as we speak right now. But for Profar, it got me thinking, because last week – I watched Moneyball again, and I watched Moneyball with my kids. And, boy, let me tell you, that was a painful experience because we literally had to stop the movie, like, every couple minutes. (laughs) It was like, it was unbelievable because they just did they they don't get it, so I had to explain. And uh, Profar reminds me of Moneyball. I like guys like that
4: that got a little hair on their ass.
2: If you remember that scene, it's in the very beginning where the old school sounds he's got an ugly girlfriend. What does that mean? It means he's got no confidence. I'm just saying,
1: his girlfriend is a six at best.
2: That's Jerickson Profar. Not saying he has an ugly girlfriend. He's married. But Jerickson Profar has been this guy that everybody loved. He was rated the number one prospect in baseball. And I look at Jerkson Profar now, and I'm like, no offense, he's not a bad person. It's just, it was tough to watch him play. When you watch a guy who can't throw and hit 218, I mean, if you listen to this show, and if you listen to our pregame show, and you listen to our postgame show, you knew I was not a fan. I don't know how you can put a guy out there who can't play defense. Because he can't throw. He's reuniting with A.J. Preller. A.J. Preller is the GM of the Padres. He used to be their big-time international scout for the Texas Rangers. And the Padres recently traded their second baseman to the Brewers, so they had a void there. In return, Austin Allen is coming to Oakland. This is not good news for Josh Fegley. As we know, Murphy is going to be the starting catcher. But what you want is a ball club, a, a, a perfect marriage with your catching position is you have one guy hits right-handed and one guy hits left-handed. And when Commander Cody and I were getting ready for the show and we are talking about this, the first thing I said to him, I said, is Austin Allen left-handed, hitting-wise. And he goes, yes. I go, well, there you go. That's what they were looking for. I can't look at the numbers because the numbers look phenomenal. Three with, with, with the Chihuahuas, the El Paso Chihuahuas, the Triple A team for the Padres, Allen hit 330, 21 home runs, and 67 games. What does that mean? Means absolutely nothing. The juice ball changed AAA, the Pacific Coast League. They hit more than 2,000 home runs in, in AAA from one year to another. 2,000. So any of these guys who were, like, killing it down at AAA, you can't really look at their numbers. It's really hard to judge. And the same thing for pitchers. There's good pitchers down there with brutal ERAs. Is it their fault? Are they bad? Now they're playing. Hey, not only are the balls juiced, the ballparks are juiced. I mean, can you imagine being a pitcher up in Reno for the Reno Aces? I can't remember who they're affiliated with. Is it the D backs? I mean, you're up in altitude. You're in Reno. I'll never forget, I was staying at the El Dorado in Reno. And you look down, and the whole field was covered in snow. It's Reno. Can you imagine pitching in Reno, your home games? I mean, that's that, it's Coors Field. So, But I'm trying to get a scouting report on Allen as we speak, but obviously we know that the A's now have their backup catcher. And he's young. He's just 25 years old. I don't know when his birthday is, but he's 25 years old. So you've got two young, what it looks like, stud catchers going into 2020. I like Josh Fegley a lot, but he's an older player. And now you're going to have two young guys, righty, lefty, and you're set for years. And Profar, once again, getting back to money ball. I mean, look at everything people thought about Profar. He's a good-looking kid, super athletic. He's six feet. He can run. He's got power. But to me, he's not a winning ball player. And I go back to that wild card game. And I can't get this, whether this is fair or not, I can't get this out of my head. Base is loaded. The Rays have already scored in the first inning. They've taken the air out of the building. Profar gets a slider that if he stays in the box... Old school guys would take that off the thigh, runs in. Next thing you know, the crowd is still in it. But he jumps out of the way like it was a 98-mile-an-hour fastball. And then he pops up. The A's had a chance to answer what the Rays did in the first inning. And he was the guy at the plate. And he's jumping away from a slider that if he wears that, A winning ball player wears that, run comes in, who knows what happens after that. I mean, if you just go month to month on Profar, so the first few games in March, yep, season started in March, he hit 120. In April, he hit 179. In May, he hit 221. In June, he hit 267. In July, he hit a buck 88. August, 237. September, 235. Now, some people go, and I remember people made the argument hey, he's got, he's got 20 home runs. But for me, that really doesn't mean much because everybody's hitting home runs. I mean, if you don't have 20 home runs, then you. De- if you're not hitting home runs in the greatest home run a- home run hitting era, there's a problem with you. I mean, seriously. Record amount of home runs. If you're not hitting home runs, what are we talking about? I mean, if we had a reg- if we had a regular ball, Profar's hitting what? Ten home runs, eleven home runs, and hitting 218. And can't throw, and I just wonder, are they finally going to say Franklin, Barreto, you're the guy, and really commit to Franklin Barreto? There's Sheldon Noisy, who hit. He's a possibility. I mean, we got a long way to go, and 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 and, and let's face it, when you're dealing with the Oakland A's, everything's fluid. Like, you could say, this guy's the guy, and by the end of the year, that guy's no longer here, somebody has replaced him, someone's doing well. You look at the great runs of recent past, right? You look at who was in the lineup at the start of the season, and then look who's in the lineup at the end of the season. 2012 is one of the greatest examples. Go look at the lineup in Japan and go look at the lineup against the Tigers in the postseason. It's a completely different lineup. Billy Bean and David Forrest have this ability to remake their ball club on the fly, as good as anybody. So I can sit here now and say, all right, Barreto, noisy, who knows? But Franklin Barretto last year killed it in spring training. Franklin Barreto got sent down, and then Franklin Barretto went in the tank. And then Franklin Bredo got better and it came back, but he doesn't get consistent at-bats. And if you don't get consistent at-bats, you're not going to be successful. Is it finally time, the guy that is the centerpiece of the Donaldson trade, is it finally his time? Because to be fair, Franklin's still a baby. It's not like we're talking about an old player here. Franklin's 23 years old. He only got 50 at-bats last year. He played in 23 games. Of course, he didn't hit. He hit 123 and struck out a lot. But if he goes and has a good spring again, is it finally time to make that commitment to Franklin Barreto and say, you're the guy? because he's entering that age where it's time to put up or you know what. I mean, he's young, but when people project you to be a star, they expect you to be big time. So we'll see if it is his time. Do so we have Steven Piscay? Steven, welcome to A's Cast Live here in the off season. We appreciate the time.
5: Of course. Thanks for
2: having me on. Happy holidays. How are they going for you so far? They're going
5: pretty good. We uh, hosted Thanksgiving for our family and some others. I think we had like 19. So it was it was chaos, but it was a lot of fun. And, uh, yeah, so it's been going well.
2: You know, that's one of the great things about your job and the jobs that we have is really the way we're able to give back, and especially at this time of year when, you know, people do need help during – uh during the holiday season and talk about that how that kind of that that responsibility as a major league baseball player and what you're able to do to give back
5: yeah it's a special time of year um you know for a lot of us and for a lot of families but it's also you know a challenging time for for a lot of folks and it's it's awesome to be able to um give back and honestly i'm thankful for the a's they've kind of got everything you know lined up and um for this a's week of giving and um you know i just kind of got to show up and and uh, spread some cheer with with families and folks i got to go to a couple of the oakland fire stations today and um, we're going to visit a a police station later Um, so it's it's great to swing by and and thank them for for everything they do and keeping us safe and all that so um you know it's pretty cool um i I think it's it's really important and um you know a bit of a responsibility as, as a player that when you're able to give back to make sure you do that so it's it's really cool
2: yeah the first responders when we start talking about policemen we start talking about firemen and what you're doing today is so awesome And, and you know i always said on my talk show like we know our heroes are athletes, but let me tell you something. When you when you're in need and you're in trouble and you call nine one one, I always used to joke, Derek Jeter's not coming, right? It's not going to be Justin <laughs> Verlander. It's gonna, it's going to be one of these guys, and that's why we really need to salute these people.
5: Absolutely, they they really are the true heroes, and um, you know they're they're putting their lives on the line in a lot of instances, and um, you know they're they're there for us, and it's. Um, you're really honorable and we're very appreciative of you know, everything that we do or they do for us so um it's really cool to swing by and just say hello and get to meet these, these people we had a lot of fun um at the, at the fire station so looking forward to our, our next stop
2: yeah I, we, we can't salute them enough and you know i have a couple friends who are police officers and these people deal with stuff that we can't stomach and the the Mm -hmm. lives that they lead are not easy and what's it like for 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 you to see the look on their faces when you show up to celebrate them
5: yeah it's pretty cool and um you know they're meeting i'm meeting a lot of you know wonderful baseball fans and they're telling me about all the games that they went to um you know it's pretty cool to to hear how passionate they are about about baseball and um about the a's especially and um so you know that that's that's a really cool part of it and um honestly it's, it's a bunch of great guys we we sat down and brought some pizza and sat around the table and it, it felt like a locker room almost and um it was a really cool vibe that they were bringing that um something i'm gonna remember um just because um it, it was very similar to kind of being in the clubhouse at the coliseum these guys are just a, a close-knit group they're around each other you know for 48 hours straight at, at some times and you know, they live to, to learn together and cook for each other. It's it's a pretty cool camaraderie.
2: Yeah, we're in A's week of giving. It's happening all week and a lot of things going on As the A's doing so much to be a big part of the community. And for somebody like yourself, you grew up here, you grew up local, so it's a little different, I think, for you than it is for most guys.
5: Yeah, I think that's, that's definitely true. Um, you know, I was born in Livermore, spent a little time in Pleasanton. Now I'm in Danville, but... Um, you know, I'm an East Bay guy and you know, I love love this community and you know it's really cool to to meet the folks that are serving this community. so um, you know it's it's really cool to to meet these guys and, and spend some time and um, just very thankful for all that they do for our community because it's it's a lot.
2: You know one of the things that's been exciting about doing our talk show here on As cast in the off season is is bringing on all the experts who are looking at the A's as a team to be reckoned with, and that they understand back-to-back years, you win 97 games. That's no fluke. You guys are going to be one of the favorites going in this season. Just how excited are you thinking about 2020 in this ball club?
5: Uh, we're, we're very excited. Um, you know, I think we showed last year that this streak, or whatever you want to call it, was, was no fluke. We're, I mean, we're, we're getting hot, and we're staying hot, which is – um, you know really important obviously there's a tremendous young core with the Chapman and Olsen and a bunch of guys and L'Oreano, so um, and with some of our our great pitchers uh, Lizardo and Puck so the the future is bright and um, you know there's definitely some staying power for the next you know five plus years I think so um, you know we're we got our sights set on the on the division we know that how important that is obviously now and um, that's that's where our, our all our energy is focused on. And I think it's, it's going to be a tremendous 2020 season. I think we're, we're ready to, to take down that division.
2: And I think for you in 2020 being healthy and being able to play every day again.
5: Oh yeah. That, that's, that's a big thing. And um, you know, it was very frustrating to, to have a couple injuries that, that sidelined me for a couple months. Um, you know, I wanted to be out there playing with those guys, but um, you know, they picked me up and, and obviously did a, a tremendous job. Um, but uh, that's all I'm focused on right now. Is getting healthy, and um, I'm I'm there now, and going to try to get stronger, and and uh, I want to play 162 like Marcus. Although <laughs> that's pretty special, I don't think I can pull that off. <laughs> yeah,
2: I mean, it's crazy. He plays every day. I mean, I, I mean, it's an old school mentality, but just. The season is so long. People don't realize how much you guys travel. You're always in hotels. Mm-hmm. You're—I mean, it's just the fact that he's able—a modern-day guy able to play every single game—is so rare.
5: At a premium, very energy-intensive position at shortstop. So it's yeah, it's it's truly remarkable, and um, it takes a special person to do that. He's he's pretty incredible.
2: And watching his year. When you think about defensively, offensively being at the top of the lineup, I mean when you when you're up there with Trout and Bregman for the MVP, and this is really you could look at, at Marcus's year as arguably the greatest year for an Oakland A, and that's saying a lot, because we've had all these Hall of Famers and all these great players. Marcus mm-hmm. season was second to none.
5: Right. It it really was. I mean he brought it every day and um you know, I think being at the top of the order playing a premium position and carrying those numbers and being so consistent. That was, what was just incredible. I thought it, we never felt like he was in a slump at any point during the season. He just brought it. Um, and that, that was, that was really incredible. And, um, you know, he, I think, I think you're right. He, he deserves some of that, um, some of those accolades and that, um, that praise he's you know very deserving of it. Um, and uh, I'm excited for, for next year, what he's going to bring, too.
2: So let's end on this. What what else do you have planned for the rest of the week?
5: Um, we've got a – we're going to go to the police station, I believe, um, this afternoon. Tomorrow, there's some um, – we're going to read some books, I think. There will be some other guys joining. Um, for are to read some books to some kids. And then Wednesday, we're going to go around the community and help get our hands dirty and, you know, build and fix some things. Um, and then there's a lot. So Forgive me if I'm forgetting anything, but uh, uh, I think on Thursday there's some other stuff. So it's a, it's a full week and it's um, there's a lot of guys coming in for it. So it's, it's going to be pretty cool.
2: Yeah, it's going to be special. Hey, thank you so much for the time. We appreciate it in the off season and we'll see you later this week. All right. Sounds good. Thanks. Stephen Piscotti of your Oakland athletics. That's right. It's the A's week of giving. What do we have going this week, Commander?
3: We will actually be at the uh, All-Staff Beautific- Beautification, that's how we're saying it, event with the players on Wednesday. You and I will be there.
2: And then I'm hosting an event on Thursday in the A's clubhouse with the general manager of your Oakland Athletics, David Forrest. Friend of the program. Friend of the program, David Forrest.
3: Stephen Piscotty, not friend of the program. That's not twice we've had him. Friend, it's, that's friend of the program status.
2: Well, yeah, because he wasn't always around.
3: True, he That's, was hurt. You know who? You know who he didn't have on all season, Jerickson Profar.
2: Well, yeah, I don't know how much he speaks English. It's pretty well. Yeah. He, he does pretty well. I ha- I had him. I I did him. I did him twice when I was uh, filling in for Vince. Oh, Okay. So we can call him friend of the program.
3: Okay. I think he might be. I was trying to think of the guys we never had on all year, and we I had think, everybody on. I think I think we pretty much had everyone. Yeah, we had everybody. Oh, except for I don't think we had Homer Bailey. No, we didn't have. We didn't have the Christian Bell look like. We have Roark. We had Roark, right? Well, Tanner. We, he was on the program, just not with you. It was with Scott and and that's, that's still friend of the program. That's yeah. like Cece. Cece Sabathia, friend of the program. That's
2: correct. John Sterling, friend of the program. That's Alex. That Yankees win. The <laughs> Yankees win. Uh, we have some news today. Steven, uh Mike Mustakis has signed with the Cincinnati Reds. What is the deal? Four years. At like 60-something million?
3: Four years, 64 million. And what did I say? Good
2: for him, by the way, because it's like total disrespect. This guy's putting up numbers. He's a winning player, right? I mean, played what we did with the Royals, and just kept not getting a a, a, a type of deal that gave him the security. He was always on these one-year deals, so I'm happy for him. I'm happy for Moose. He's a good player. It was four for
3: 64 with the Reds. And I said what's the first thing I said to you? Where's he gonna play? Yeah,
2: 'cause I already got uh, a
3: you got Vado at, at first and you have uh Suarez at third, who almost hit four I think hit forty nine home runs last year. He's gonna play second base for the Reds. Good for him. So they're gonna have that. They're gonna bow our our friend, friend of the program, Trevor Bauer, and the rotation oh. was with, with Sonny Gray. And they're probably gonna try to add someone else. Their outfielder has uh Aristides Aquino who just literally hit a home run, I think, at <laughs> every game last Looked year. like Babe Ruth. Yeah. He hit a home run they, <laughs> right have, they have, have Babe a, Ruth. They have a nice team they have going forward for for 2020 and forward. And I mean, could they be the favorite in the NL central it pains
2: me to say that? Cause well, they play the pirates every year, but well, good to see a team going for it. We see so many teams who don't want to go for it. Good to see a smaller market team actually going for it. As Cincinnati has such great history. And one thing, when you go to Cincinnati, I've never been there for a baseball game. I've been there with the Raiders to take on the Bengals, but everywhere you go around town, I mean, it's Big Red Machine memorabilia like you wouldn't believe, and it's awesome. I mean, they've got great history there. Of course, the team that beat the Athletics in 1990, when you think of Eric the Red and Barry Larkin and those guys. So it's good to see team. I like to see teams going for it, you know? I don't think the Padres are going to be any good, but they're trying to make it happen. Small market team. They're trying to win, you know? By the way, did you get to when the deadline is?
3: 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 Eastern. Oh, really? So we got some time.
2: And so right now, with with Profar being one of those guys, uh, let me read you what the deal is. So, oh, yeah, I got it right here. 8 p.m. Eastern deadline. So all 30 teams must decide whether to tender their pre-arbitration and arbitration-eligible players a contract for 2020. They don't have to sign them before 5 o'clock today. They just got to make an offer. Players who do not receive an offer are considered non-tendered, and they immediately become free agents. And one of the guys people are looking at in this deal, Fegley's one of them, right? But what everybody's looking at from the A's standpoint And I saw an article over the weekend where they're like, the A's are trying to cut salary. See, I don't see it that way. I I, I see flawed players that you don't want to pay big money to. That's why the A's are successful. That's why the Rays are successful. We have a list, by the way, of the worst free agent signings. I mean, these signings are so bad it makes you realize why owners don't want to sign long-term deals there are so many long-term deals for hundreds of millions of dollars that are awful i mean you end up as a franchise eating a ton of this money but the one guy people are looking at and it could it, we could have Blake trying to traded during this show This guy was the most dominant closer of 2018. 2019, he had a 4.91 ERA. 4.91. His whip, I mean, a guy like him's whip should be well under 1.20. His whip was 1.62. He was bad. He lost his closer job. He got to a point where Bob Melvin would only bring him in a blowout game. Whether the A's were blowing somebody out or they were being blown out. I mean, it's hard to believe. 4.91. And he's projected to make 7.8 million. How do you pay if you're the A's, basically $8 million to a guy you're hoping. i You know what? I don't even know if we've ever seen something so dramatic where a guy was so great and then the next year was so bad. I'm sure it's happened. This game's been played for 150 years, but it's hard. you got to remember how good Blake Trinan was. Martin Gallegos from MLB.com joins us here on A's Cast Live. How you doing, my friend?
6: What's up, Tony? I'm great. Uh, You know, just enjoying the winter, getting ready for all this uh, hot stove action that seems to be heating up here.
2: Yeah, well, let's get to this. Uh, Before we get to Jerks and Profar, we've got a deadline of a contract needs to be offered to Josh Fegley. We've got a a deadline for also Blake Trinan by 5 o'clock. Obviously, with the trade today, it looks like Josh Fegley is going to be on the outside looking in. Blake Trinan is such an interesting name. He was so dominant last year. It was one of the greatest – I mean, two years ago, one of the greatest years for a closer. And then last year he just wasn't very good at all. What do you think happens by 5 o'clock today with Blake Trinan?
0: You
6: know, I think with the projected salary arbitration increase to around, I think, $7 million, something like that, I don't see how you can keep a guy around and not, not make him the closer and, and pay him that. You know, I think – if there was a way to keep him around at a, at a lower salary, I think they'd, they'd want that. You know, I think they would like to try to see if he can bounce back. But honestly, the the I think they're going to try to look for a trade for him. There might be a team out there who thinks, hey, this guy, it wasn't that long ago. He was the best closer in the game. Maybe we can try to recapture that uh, form again. But um, my, my feeling is we're, he's not going to be with the Oakland A's after, after 5 p.m. at that deadline.
2: Yeah, I kind of agree with you, and and, you know, for him, and I think you can also say for Lou Trevino, and there was other guys in the game, how much did this new baseball change for these guys, and I know that like Lou, we've asked him about it, he doesn't want to make an excuse, but the baseball changed, and I wonder how it hurt some pitchers.
6: Yeah, you know, every time I try to talk to guys about that, they all, you know, they downplay you as you would imagine, you know, these guys aren't. Looking to make excuses, um, but I mean, there was something that changed obviously. I mean it wasn't just Blake Tri and Lou Trevino. you look at pitchers around the league all of a sudden getting crushed that you never saw before. Um, you know guys like Edwin Diaz in New York even he was he was on a level like Blake Trinan, um with the Mariners, and he goes to new york and, and he he kind of kind of a similar similar downfall um, there, so we saw with a lot of pitchers. I think it certainly had an effect um, to what degree. You know, it's hard to tell. I mean, look at the the Astros and the sign stealing thing. That could open up another can of worms of of what's going on here with the with the pitchers getting hit a little more. But um, certainly, it had an effect. I, I, to what degree, I'm not sure.
2: Jerickson Profar traded to the San Diego Padres, reuniting him with A.J. Preller for a 25-year-old catcher, Austin Allen, who had a big year in AAA, but it's hard to read those AAA numbers. I mean, the big thing about Allen is he's a left-handed bat to go with Murphy, the right-handed bat. What do you think of the trade today with the Padres?
6: I think it worked out well for the A's. I think, you know, obviously, Profar would have been a guy that potentially, if he comes back, he wasn't going to be the everyday second baseman. At best, he was going to be maybe a utility guy um, that could platoon somewhere. And to get a guy like Austin Allen, who I've heard is a really good hitter, the defense maybe not that great, but you have a, a great young defensive catcher in Sean Murphy, so you really just need a guy who can who can serve as a adequate backup, and I think it's a plus that he's a left-handed bat, because you can kind of semi-platoon there, and he's you got a lot of power. I mean, I think he's hit combined to about 60 homers over the last three years in AAA, so to get that for a guy that you were just going to cut ties with pretty much um, in a few hours, that's that's a good get for the A's and they also get the player to be named later. So um, it was good that they were able to find something because I think we talked about it in the last time I was on your show, there was no real way that I could see pro far going into the next season as, as an everyday second baseman with the Oakland A's. It just last year just showed defensively and offensively. It was just way too much of a hit or miss thing throughout the year. There was really not a whole lot of consistency there on either side of the, of the dish diamond. So, um, it was good that they were able to find something there. Now they got plenty of in-house options to to fill in there at second base. They could go out and find another more experienced second baseman. Um, but there's options there. They have they have they have depth there, which enabled them to make this move.
2: Yeah, I mentioned it earlier. I said, hey. There may be a plan going in, but by the end of the season, everything's always fluid with the A's. You, you, you never know what kind of move Billy and David are going to pull off. And, and the thing about Allen, too, is a left-handed bat and now gives you another pinch hit option for, for Bob Melvin. So I like to see that. But it, it, it just is it, is it Franklin Barreto's time? Is it finally put him out there and say, you're the guy?
6: Well, I think now, it's, it's, now now's the best time for that, right? I mean, I think last year, we're kind of back, back to square one now. I think last year before the, the pro far trade, you know, Jed Lowry was gone. And so I think we all thought, hey, this is going to be Barreto's time to get, you know, his 400, 500 at bats and see if he's a, a legit uh, major league everyday second baseman or not. And they make the pro far trade, and that kind of sets things back. So pro out of the picture now. You've got three guys. You know, Noisy and Mateo included. None of these guys really have the edge. I would say right now they're all kind of in the same boat in terms of um, you know their their prospect status and and their potential ceiling. I guess you could say. I think Barreto might even have a higher ceiling. I mean, this guy was the top prospect in the organization for for a few years in a row. Um, and he, I think he's you know, he's obviously still talented. He's obviously still super young. I think he's only 23. So um, the, the talent is there. The youth is there. You know, he's he's shown flashes. It's just you never have seen it in the big leagues. You never seen him get a chance to play every day in the big leagues. So um, if, if there was ever a chance to do that, it's now there's also a chance they could trade him, But um, if, if it were me, I, I would, I would see what you have in them because if, if you trade him somewhere else and he goes off and he shines, and you're going to think of, you know, what could have been. So um, you might as well just find out now if you have something in them. And, you know, you've got a great lineup regardless. I mean, you've got the type of lineup where if he struggles early on, it's, probably not going to affect you too much because one through eight, the rest of the eight guys, you've got one of the best times in baseball, I think.
2: Yeah, it's going to, hey, competition. Competition's a great thing, and you mentioned three names there. There might be other people coming, but I always like to see competition in in spring training when basically your, your infield is set except for second base. So Next week, we're heading to the winter meetings, and Major League Baseball has a big cloud over it right now. Everywhere you go, everywhere you look at they're talking about the Houston Astros they're talking about cheating and now you're going to this big event and everybody likes to go when it's in San Diego you know what do you think about Major League Baseball and what what we're looking at with the Astros 2017 2018 and I bet they're looking at it in even 2019
6: it's gonna be a it's gonna be a interesting scene there uh, for sure um, just
2: you know, it hasn't been a whole lot of
6: whole lot of other news to come out from it, other than you know the initial reports when it first came out. Um, you know, Manfred came out and and said, you know, he didn't think there was any any reason to look into any other potential situations elsewhere with other clubs except the Astros. Um, but you know, who knows? Um, you know, I think there's always I think certain situations where you know a team might look to to gain an advantage. Um, not necessarily looking to cheat, but just looking, looking to, to you know, use their resources, you know, well, you know. So um, uh, we'll, we'll see how it plays out. I mean, there hasn't been a whole lot of whole lot of news to come out of that. So I would expect the winter meeting is where you, you hear a little bit more development on that, a little bit more on um, potential uh, potential discipline towards the Astros. I don't, I don't know exactly what what could happen there. Um, you know, some people were talking about taking away their their World Series. I don't know if it'd go that far, but. Um, I, I would think something is going to be handed down, and I would I would I would expect it to come, you know, pretty soon here in the in the coming month, if not the winter meetings, you know, coming up here pretty soon before spring training.
2: Yeah, because it's uh, now now we're starting to get these articles where pitchers are now coming out. You know, Mike Fires first brought it up, but there's you know there's guys that got beat up by the Houston Astros. I mean, they won 60 games at home this past year. And there's guys that got absolutely lit up, and with this information coming out, if you're a pitcher, you're going to be pissed off about this.
6: Yeah, for sure. And you know, it, it is it is a little weird I've, now that you know the the information came out. I do, it does seem weird when when you know the A's specifically when they would go to Oakland. You know, there were some games where you could just tell, you know, they were on a certain pitcher. Um, they 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 kind of it's like they like like it said they knew what was coming. Um, so uh, it, it's interesting. I, I know, I know pitchers don't like, it. I've, I've heard guys talk about it, you know, just amongst themselves so off the record, um, you know, didn't really, you know, thought maybe something might be going on. Um, you know, who knows, you know, we'll, we'll, see, we'll see what, what they hand down on them, but it's obviously a, a issue that, you know, has to be solved. I mean, that it's just not fair downright, not fair. I and mean, like, like you mentioned all those games that they, that they won because of that advantage. It's, you know, it changes, it changes the course of the season.
2: Hey, we always we'll – We'll see what they decide to do. Yeah, there's going to be a big – they're going to come down hard on these guys because if you don't, Rob Manfred looks soft, especially after what he did. You know, he, he, he punished the, the, the Red Sox for the Apple Watches and then told everybody, don't do it again. And then you find out people were doing it, and they are probably doing it more than just 2017. He's going to have to come down hard. Hey, buddy, we always appreciate you stopping by. Happy holidays, and we'll talk to you soon.
6: Hey, same to you, Tony. See you soon, man.
2: Martin Gallegos from MLB.com. There's a really good article on The Athletic about this. And it came out, when did it come out? Molly Knight wrote it. I think she also covers the Dodgers, right? Molly Knight came out on November 29th. And she's got quotes from pitchers. Marcus Stroman tweeted, this is crazy. Noah Syndergaard, I'm shocked. How about this from a player who pitched against the Astros? If a team is using cameras and decoding your sequences for live relays, you're losing a war that you weren't informed of your own participation. Think about that. Think about all these guys that went into Houston, got crushed, and they're like, they were hearing things. Multiple teams. Can't say this enough. Multiple teams. I know for a fact put in complaints about this. Multiple teams. So this is, this is not like all of a sudden Major League Baseball in New York at the New York offices went, oh, my God, I can't believe this was going on. I can't believe this is what's going on. They've been informed. They've been warned. And they need to do something. This is the problem that professional sports has. Is when people start not believing the game is on the up and up. It hurts your sport. I mean, I'm not going to go with the whole... It's like professional wrestling. That's a little too harsh. But if people don't think the competition they're watching is on the up and up, why why, why am I going to spend all this money to, to to go to these games, watch these games, if I don't believe what I'm watching is real? If you got somebody who visually can steal signs, that's fine. But when you start using electronics, cameras, watches, TVs, and and, and literally, you can't believe how dumb they are. The fact that they sent out an email to their scouts telling them to film the dugouts. They left a paper trail. Once again, we're dealing with a lot of smart people, but they're not business savvy. Yes, they may have degrees from Harvard and Yale and Stanford and Northwestern and all these great schools, but they're data people. They're not true business people. Who in the world would put an email, put it in writing, And it takes only one scout to say, I'm not doing this, and send it to Major League Baseball and turn you in. That's what happened. The email's out there. We all get to see this email. How dumb could you be? It shows how blazing they were about this. You're sending an email to your scouts. Hey, cheat. Help us cheat. And I'm proud of some of these scouts. Some of these scouts said, no, I'm not doing it because this is my career. I may work for the Houston Astros now, but I could work for the other 29 teams, and I don't want this stain on my career. Good for these guys. Major League Baseball is going to have to come down really, really hard on these guys. I don't know the future of Jeffrey Luno. A.J. Hinch, Alex Cora, I mean, what do you do? If you're going to send a message just taking away draft picks, what does that do? If we believe there's teams doing it, well, obviously losing draft picks is not enough to deter them. We'll see what Major League Baseball is going to do. We still have a wonderful show for you still to come. Coming up here at 2 o'clock we're going to have Glenn Kuiper, then we're going to have the Hall of Famer, Tony Larusa at 2.30, and Will Leach will join us at 3.30 from MLB.com That's all coming your way right here on A's Cast Live. A's Cast Live.
1: Now back to the town. Here's Chris Townsend.
2: We've got a lot going on in baseball. Uh... Commander, what was that question you asked me before the show about a guy who won the MVP in 2017?
3: Well, I mentioned this to you a couple weeks ago, and we kind of got, got to talk about it, but the idea of everyone talking about the Astros and stripped the World Series title. Well, what about Jose Altuve's 2017 AL MVP award that he won? Now, I'm a huge Altuve fan. I think everyone knows that, but it's something you have to think about because of the sign stealing and all this stuff, and um, you don't agree with me.
2: Uh, I don't have to think about it. I think it's crazy. Stop it. Check the numbers. And since you haven't checked the numbers, I'll do it for you. Home and away. Jose Altuve, the year he won the MVP, 2017. I'm just going to go down the stat line. You tell me. At home, he had 296 at-bats. On the road, he had 294. On the road, he scored 65 runs. At home, only 47. He had 112 hits on the road, only 92 at home. He had 23 doubles on the road, only 16 at home. Three triples on the road, only one at home. 15 home runs on the road, only nine at home. 46 RBIs on the road, 35 at home. He beat every single category he hit 381 on the road to just 311 at home an OPS of 1082 on the road versus 834 at home sounds more like they were cheating on the road for him to win in 2017 than they were at home I I I, I too am a big Altuve guy Anybody that's 5'6", 165 pounds and doing what he does, he's a great player. Stop the nonsense. You're not stripping the guy of his MVP. 381 on the road, 311 at home. Jose Altuve someday will have a plaque in Cooperstown. I will never forget the way the Coliseum works. And the tunnel we go down is the same tunnel as the opposing team. And one time I'm walking right by the Astros' clubhouse. And Altuve came out. We looked at each other. How you doing? And then we walked down the stairs together. It's crazy how small he is. And I'm not a big guy. I'm 5'9". And he was in spikes and it still felt like I could dunk all over him. And he is an absolute hitting machine. See, once again, when I say legitimacy, how it kills it, look how legit this guy is. But now people are taking, want to take away his MVP. See what cheating does? It destroys everything. And it destroys your credibility. Is anybody ever going to look at their World Series rings again and go, oh, yeah, that was legit? No. It's gone. Jose Altuve, people are saying they should strip his MVP, and he was way better on the road. That's where I get to this whole thing about when you do this kind of stuff, it takes what you do and just – like my old coach, the Hall of Famer, Sam Perraro, used to say, it takes a long time to build up your credibility. But it takes only one bad move to destroy it all. And that's what's happened with these guys. These guys were the smartest guys. People wanted to copy them. Less scouts, more video. Everything that we do to, like, take people's players and make them better. Everybody, they had books. What was a book you read about them?
3: That'd be Astroball by Ben Ryder of SI. It was a fascinating book.
2: Did they it, talk about all the cheating they were doing?
3: No. Well, no, but not directly. But they do have a huge chapter in there dedicated to one player the Astros signed that year when they won the Series. Do you know who that is?
2: That I, be, didn't re- I didn't read the book. That'd so. be
3: the manager of the New York Metropolitans, Carlos Beltran. Oh. And how he helped guys with being able to break down film and all this stuff. Not in mention there from what I remember is. Banging on trash cans and selling signs,
2: <laughs> whistling. <laughs> yeah, none of that stuff
3: was mentioned there that I remember. But there was a big chapter uh, dedicated to him.
2: How about some of the signings? You see, Drew Pomeranz, pom 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 pomeranz? What are the Padres thinking? Four years, thirty-four million. Grandal to the White Sox. We're gonna have some mo- We're gonna have some movement here. Definitely at the. Uh, at the winter meetings, teams are teams are not looking to sit back. Look at the Braves. They've been super aggressive. The Cincinnati Reds today with Moustakis, a four year deal. We're going to see some movement and the sticking around and waiting until January, February doesn't. That's a trend that I think only lasted two years. I think it's going
3: away. A, a team that's I brought this up to a team that's being mentioned a lot. The New York Mets are linked to Starling Marte from the Pirates. Josh Hader's name has been thrown around.
2: Josh Hader.
3: So that's a guy that is interesting because Brody Van Wagenen used to be his agent. So and the, what do the Mets need? Bullpen help. Well, I mean, are you really going to acquire him and not put him as a closer over Edwin Diaz who was – he? there's a guy. Remember you're talking about a guy that was so good and fell off? Diaz last year, after the year he had 50, what, 58 saves? Was a train wreck last year with the Mets. Yeah. So then you're talking about bringing in Hader, what, to be a setup guy? You can't do that. Hader's a much better closer than him. But you brought up a good point earlier before the show started. You think he's going to be a guy that tails off because of the uh, overusage. I agree 100% on that.
2: Yeah, they, well, you start to see it, and that's why we talk about the inconsistency of bullpens, is you, you, you get a guy who's red hot, and you ride that guy. And you ride him. You, Andrew Miller, ride him. And then all of a sudden, one day, his stuff's not the same. And Hayter, God bless him, and it's something that you really, I mean, you love the guy that says, I'm going to take the ball. I'll take the ball every day. You need me to go an inning and two-thirds. You need me to go two innings. You need me to pitch every day. I'm your guy. But at some, t- at some point, there's going to be wear and tear. And I, I, just, I don't know if it's next year or it's the year after, when it is, but it's very, to see a guy be dominant with power pitching out of the bullpen and do it for a long, long time when he when he hauls in a, a ton of innings and outings, that's what's up with these full max guys. They're going full max, and it ends up, you only got so many bullets in the gun. And he's one of those guys. That, but you know what, though, if I'm looking to win it, do I want him in my bullpen next year? You bet. Good for the Mets. Bad for the Brewers. Brewers are a team that maybe be it may be in regression coming up here.
3: Well, I mean, you already lost Mustakis. You lost Grandal. You could lose Hater. And I talked to you last week. I did a buying or selling question to you, and it's something they need to consider. Maybe not right now. Maybe at the deadline if they're struggling about trading Ellich. They have a really bad farm system. And that's something they need to rebuild if they want to be good. They're not a team to go out and spend a ton of money. David Stearns or Jameis said that. They're not a team that's going to go out and spend a ton of money on starting pitching. They have to develop it. You haven't developed a starting so you're pitcher. you're not
2: going to win, you should trade Yelich.
3: Yeah, and you haven't developed a starting pitcher in ever forever. You're,
2: and you're not, you're, you're not going to be able to use 8,000 relievers in, in September now, thank God.
3: That's the last two years. That's what's carried them into the postseason is they, they used a bunch of relievers. And they they've gone on incredible. I think they were, what eighteen and two going into the playoffs this year. And it's just you know how much that drives me
2: nuts. You play a sport one way for a full season, except the last month, and you change everything. That I love is going away. Now they, uh, let's see how good the Rays and the Brewers are.
3: That's uh, th- That would be the 2019 Baseball America Organization of the Year Tampa Bay Rays to you.
2: You know what, I, I question that. That So that was award-given-out win?
3: Uh, well, they just gave it out today. I saw the Rays tweeted it out, and our friend Mark Topkin from the Tampa Bay Times tweeted
2: about it. I wonder if originally that award was going to the Houston Astros, and they had to switch a room.
3: Yeah, that's, I was thinking about that too. It's like if the Astros win the World Series – and all this stuff doesn't go out. They're clearly the organization of the year. But now that all oh, this all this stuff comes out and they lost in the World Series. It's like, hey, the Rays are a good story. They don't make, they don't spend any money. Let's give it to them.
2: <laughs> Coming up next, G. kype our buddy Glenn Kuyper right here on A's Cast Live.
3: This is
1: A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. Marshall,
2: it's a very special week. Got a lot going on here on A's Week of Giving. We'll be back on Wednesday from the offices, Jack London. Thursday, I'm hosting an event with David Force, the general manager of the A's, from the A's clubhouse. Should be interesting. Because the last time I saw the A's clubhouse... It was blocked off because of Raider football. So I wonder what – because they they take everything out of there, I believe. Steve Vucinich packs up and heads to Arizona, and then, of course, everything's in Arizona. Do we have him? Glenn, how are you? Hey, Tony. How are you, buddy? Uh, Enjoying uh, the holidays. Kind of crazy, just – before you know it, Thanksgiving snuck up on us, and the next thing you know, now everybody's got Christmas lights up. Man, this this has all happened pretty fast.
4: Yeah, it's it's it's. I I can't get into the Christmas lights before December first thing. I've never been able to get into that.
2: I there was people in my neighborhood that had trees up before even Thanksgiving. I was like that that yeah. that that's a little aggressive.
4: Yeah, can't do it. See, we we sort of have a. Uh we're a little bit lucky in our household. Our daughter's birthday is uh December third, which is tomorrow. So our plan is well, we can't start celebrating Christmas before our daughter's birthday. So no lights go up before December third. So that's like a, a Kuiper rule in our household. And it works pretty good.
2: Yeah, I like it. I like it. So the athletics making some moves and we might have even more moves today as Blake Trinan and Josh fegley will be they, they need to be offered some type of deal if they're not they yeah. become free agents at five o'clock but let's start with the uh, jerks and pro profile deal what'd you think of the trade?
4: well I, I you know just and I just saw it that I know it just happened uh, listen I, I don't think the A's were going to offer him a contract so to me, if you can get anything for somebody that you're not gonna offer a contract for. And in this case, you get a left-handed hitting catcher, right? Um, you know, I think I think that alone makes it a good deal. And we don't know a lot about um, Austin Allen, but we do know that, uh, you know, he's young, he's got some pop and he's a left-handed hitting catcher. So th- the fact that you probably weren't gonna offer a contract to, to Profar just because of what the number would have been, you know, somewhere between five and 6 million. I don't think they were going to pay him that and you got something for him. So that, that's a win right there. Uh, if, if nothing else happens, uh, but if you think about getting Allen being a left-handed hitter, you wonder if that doesn't affect the Fegley situation. Um, cause Murphy's your guy. So everybody else is playing for a backup spot. Um, so i got to believe that that kind of comes into play with the fegley thing. so we'll see what happens. what is it, just 3 hours away, right?
2: yeah. and you know, isn't one of the nice things about covering this team right now that you really don't have any holes. you really that the core of the team is set. it's been a long time since we've had an off season like this.
4: yeah, yeah, that's a you're right cuz you don't really what what position are you worried about? You're not. There's not a there's not a position that you're concerned about. At least I'm not. I think you got a pretty good player at every spot. Um, You you like your rotation. You you got high hopes for young kids. Um, Your your bullpen. You know, there's a few things that need to be tweaked in the bullpen, but but you know that. Listen, you got a pretty good closer. You got an all-star closer who kind of came out of nowhere so you you know you have that and then you build backwards from that so yeah i mean you have to feel good about this team not just now but you know they they have a they're going to be good for a while and that is a nice feeling You're, you don't feel like you have to you have to make a big move I, you know there's not a big move that needs to be made i don't think for the athletics and Uh, And that's a good thing too. And and listen, they don't have a lot of high salary guys. So the payroll is not going to run out of control. So they're in a pretty darn good spot right now.
2: Yeah. And they'll have flexibility with payroll too. To, yep, to, to get sure. what they're going to need, especially if you if you don't offer a contract to Blake Trinan, because he's going to be somewhere around 8000000 million. It'll give Billy and David some flexibility, which has always been key. And then it just seems like, you know, the Rangers are trying to make moves because they got their new ballpark. Obviously, the Angels are always going to throw money at the problem. And then there's just utter chaos with the Houston Astros. This division has actually gotten very interesting this offseason.
4: Well, it does. And, and- And yeah, I I don't think the Rangers, you know, the Rangers, you know, record wise have not been great the last, you know, two, three years, but I I don't know that they're that terribly far away from being a pretty decent team. Um, You know, they added, they had Gibson another pretty good pitcher and moving into a new ballpark. They will make some more moves. Um, uh, You know, the angels, we'll see what happens there. They got a new manager and, and for everything that's going on in Houston, which is certainly kind of ugly. And I think they're going to, they're going to, they're going to get hit pretty hard, but it's not going to affect their product on the field. I don't think, and they're going to, they're going to be very good. So it, it's, it's going to be a fun division and, you know, everybody just needs to try to close the gap on the Astros and the A's are the closest to doing that. And, 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 Listen, at this point where the A's are at, it would not surprise me at all if in 2020 they won the division. I mean, that's how good I think they are, and I think they, they can be. Um, so I think it's going to be a super fun year.
2: Yeah, I, I, I'm with you, and we've been talking to a lot of these, you know, the, our national guys that we bring on here on A's Cast Live, and they they all know that the A's are going to be a team to reckon with, and it's start to have the mentality of, hey, let's just stop trying to be the team that just gets there. You can win a World Series. Mm-hmm. You can win a division. You have to believe you can do it. If you believe you can do it, then you can do it. Let's stop talking about wild card and just getting in. Let's talk about getting to the big dance and bringing it home.
4: Well, that's right. I I don't, you know, I don't, listen, I, the wild card, it is what it is.
2: I don't have
4: a problem with it. I know it's been tough on the A's the last couple of years, but the the, the wild card system, the way it's set up, I don't know if I'm in the minority or not. I don't have a problem with it because it goes right to the question of, if you don't want to play in the wild card game, then win the division. And and I'm with you. I think that's what it's time to do. Um, avoid the wild card game. And I think, I, listen, I think the Astros are, are going to be favored, but I just don't think the A's, where they're at now, I don't think they're that – far off I don't think the gap is really very big if there's a gap there at all I know the Astros are good but I think the A's are pretty good and and it's going to be an interesting year but they're a confident group man you know that Tony. you talk to these guys every day I see them every day they got a nice little strut it's not going to change they know they're good and they just keep bringing up young players that learn that mentality as soon as they get in that clubhouse and boy, that's a th- then 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 you got a confident group, and that's what the A's
2: have. Yeah, so so often like we just don't care if minor league teams win or not. Like, what does it matter to us at the big league level? But it just goes to show if you have a group of young players, and I think the Royals prove this. You have a group of young players that come through the system together, play together, and win. Boy, that benefits you at the big club when they finally come up. Yeah, I think
4: it does. I, I you know, I don't, I, I do think it does. I think it does make a difference. Um, it doesn't mean that if, if, you know, if, if you have maybe a group, maybe you made trades and it's not a group that came up through the minors together, it doesn't mean that that group can't win, but I do think it, it helps. And I think it helps in a number of different ways. Maybe the biggest is just that these guys, they know they've done it together before but they also get along you know they they're a tight group because they've been together since single a some of them were in the same draft you know that's a big deal with guys you know hey we're in the same draft you know um so you see that it's it's a pretty tight group and a lot of that has to do with coming up in the minor leagues but then you you have that combined with new guys coming in and that, you know, that's kind of where the leadership comes in. It's where the manager comes in making sure that the new guys quickly blend in with these guys that have known each other for five or six years. And it always seems to be a pretty seamless transition into the Ace Clubhouse. And and I do think that makes a difference.
2: Speaking of you in the draft, I, I recently was talking about how you have one of the greatest spring training stories We haven't heard it in a while because you never talk about, you never talk about yourself as a player, but a lot of people should know you did play minor league baseball, but please tell the story your first day at spring training with the San Diego Padres.
4: Uh, Yes. I did. I played two years in the minor leagues and I was not very good, but at least I got to play. Right. I mean, that's exactly. That was exciting. Right. So, yeah, so first day of spring training, 1986, Yuma, Arizona. Um, the manager, I don't remember who it was. First day, said, "All right, all the second baseman head out. Let's take some ground balls." So, so they kind of split us up into three different groups, and my group had four people in it. So I was pretty psyched, right? Feeling good. Had the Padres Brown on, looking good. And so my group was me, a 22-year-old, you know, just trying to make it. And the three other guys were uh, Robbie Alomar, Joey Cora, and Carlos Baerga. (laughs) So I started fielding ground balls, and these guys were, like, fielding them between their legs. And and I was, you know, getting short-hopped and handcuffed and... And I looked around, and, I'm, and, and, and I was 22, and these guys, I mean, listen, Carlos Baerga was like 17. Uh, Joey Cora was a little older because he was a college player. Robbie Alomar, I think, was 18. And these guys were doing stuff that if I would have tried to do, I would have snapped an ankle and blown a hamstring. And, and I remember thinking, okay, you know what? I made, I, I think I'm just going to enjoy my time in the minor leagues. I don't think I'm going to make it to the show. But I'm gonna have fun and just play and, and and not worry about it. And and you know, is is frustrating as maybe it was when I said, "Wow, these kids are doing stuff that I can't." Maybe it was good. You know, maybe it it, it lessened the stress of trying to perform in the minor leagues. But uh, yeah, it was the it was the Cora, Bayerga, Alomar, Kuiper group taking ground balls. So not good for me. Not good for me.
2: First day of spring training. Uh-oh. First day, first day. Yeah, it's
4: ninety six degrees in Yuma, and I'm like, just, I mean, I just wanted to shut it down right there. Uh, <laughs> Not happening. Yeah, Not happening. Yeah,
2: but you know what? Long term, you did make it to the big leagues. That's right. Those guys aren't A's announcers, are they? No, no, no. Forget them. Look at your great career.
4: That's right. They don't get to hang around with Uncle Tony and Uncle Ray and Uncle Dallas. I
2: mean, come on. <laughs> So, uh, in this off season, how much hoops are you doing? Uh, as of now, none, it's
4: just, you know, I've only, I don't do much anyways, a little bit of WCC basketball. I don't know if that's going to happen this year. Uh, there's been a few changes in that, in that, that the package there. Um, so we'll see, but you know, Hey, I, I don't, I, I don't need to be super busy in the off season. I like to hang. I like to bring my kids to school and pick them up. And you know how that is, Tony. you got the twins and kids get to an age where you want to spend as much time as you can with them because before you know it, they're going to be gone. Um, So maybe a little bit of basketball, but it's not going to be much. And you know what? Listen, Hey, I mean, middle of February, you know, I mean, pitchers and catchers, right? So Really, about the middle of December, you start thinking about this stuff a little bit more and you start actually getting ready a little bit. So it comes fast. It comes a little quicker every year.
2: Yeah, no doubt. We're going down to the winter meetings next week. And like you said, before you nice. know it, we're going to be in spring training. Well, happy, yeah. happy birthday yeah. to your daughter. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. <laughs> and we'll talk to you in the new year.
4: All right, Tony. You know what? I'd love to talk to you soon. And, uh, it's great hearing you. I miss you guys. I, I I miss seeing you at the ballpark every day. You're
2: the best, buddy.
4: All right. Thanks, Tony.
2: The great Glenn Kuyper. It's one of the best stories ever. Whoops. Whoa, whoa. You're jumping the gun there. Think about that. It's your first day at spring training, and you're taking ground balls with one guy who's going to be a Hall of Famer. Another guy who was a really good player, an offensive player, and Bayerga, Joey Cora made the all-star team. Joey Cora was known as one of the best infielders of his time. Those are the three guys. Roberto Alomar, ah, if you're going to have a conversation of who's the greatest second baseman of all time, I, I would have to go through all kinds of numbers and stuff. Oakland's own Joe, Joe Morgan's going to be up there. Um, Ryan Sandberg was great. Who am I missing? Biggio. Biggio's a great. He's a Hall of Famer.
3: I'm trying to think of guys who played second base. Bill Mazeroski. No. Most legendary home run ever. No. That's what
2: put him in the Hall of Fame. Robbie Alomar was Oh, yeah, Alomar, great. yeah. I'm trying to think. Jose uh, Altuve. Did, like, Honus Wagner play second base? He was a shortstop. One of those old dudes played second base. One of those crazy old dudes. Lagway, or one of those guys are, that has crazy numbers. I talking from my beloved Pirates era, or I, I, I just, just, I just maybe the Philadelphia Athletics had one of that. I mean, there's a couple. Of, we'll look up Hall of Fame second baseman, but I'm just saying Roberto Alomar was great. I think about that, Biagini was like 17 years old. <laughs> oh man, that's what truly one of the best stories. Don't forget, Tony La Russa coming up at 2.30 right here on A's Cast Live.
1: Now back to
2: A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. The Hall of Famer Tony La Russa will join us coming up here at 2.30. Uh, Jackie Robinson. But I think when it all comes down, whether you look at Alomar, Biggio, Jackie Robinson... Ryan Sandberg, all these guys. Joe Morgan's the greatest second baseman of all time. The numbers are incredible. He has the by far the high, highest war at 100. These guys are all in the 60s. He's a two-time MVP, Joe Morgan. And he won gold gloves.
3: Just looking at modern-day players, and I think of Jose, we talk about how we think Jose Altuve is going to be a Hall of Famer. He's won an MVP, six-time All-Star. Three batting titles. He's uh he only has a thirty eight point five career WAR, but he's also only thirty years old or twenty nine. Sorry, so he still got a long way to go. Yeah, Joe Morgan, greatest second baseman of all time. Then for me, it's close between Robbie Alomar and I think Craig Biggio gets he gets the credit, but I think he deserves more credit for playing second base. But he started out as a catcher and he played some left field. I like both those guys, but I'm with you. Joe Morgan, 100% number one. We forgot about Rogers Hornsby, too.
2: That's what I'm saying. There's like, the, I couldn't remember the word. Like, these old guys, did he play short? Did he play second? What did he play? Because yeah, those guys' numbers are pretty stupid, too. Yeah, let me pull up Rogers Hornsby. Oh, I guarantee you Rogers Hornsby's numbers are. And these guys didn't hit home runs, and they got crazy numbers. Uh, 127
3: war. Yes. Yeah. That's, that's like Mike Trout numbers. Uh, 300 career home runs, a 358 career hitter, uh, 1,584 RBIs, a. Uh, 1,010 ops and a. If you're an advanced analytics fan like myself, a 175 ops
2: plus. Let, okay, let's just say this: Joe Morgan is the modern day greatest second baseman because Rogers Hornsby, two-time Triple Crown winner, two-time MVP, seven-time batting champ. <laughs> that's that's a pretty good career.
3: Yeah, that's I mean, the 358 career hitter. I mean, that's nothing to scoff at.
2: You only hit 358.
3: Back in that day, if you didn't hit 358, you weren't sniffing the Hall of Fame.
2: So a guy that doesn't care about batting average likes to see 358 on there.
3: I mean, you got 300 home compared
2: runs compared to jerks and Profar hitting 218. That not Hall of Fame numbers. <laughs> oh man. So wait, hey, you talked to Tony Tony La Russa, the Hall of Famer, the A's Hall of Famer, baseball Hall of Famer, one of the greatest managers of all time. You talk to him about Arf. They're having a, a big thing coming up here.
3: Yeah, they are. And he he talked about the guys that are going to be a part of it. He mentioned a few big names. Um, some McGuire guys going to be there. Mark McGuire. Um, I think Dave Stewart. I, I heard he was a pretty good A at one point. Dennis Eckersley.
2: All uh, these guys, friend of the program.
3: And then uh, you got a couple guys that are surprises to some. Maybe uh, you got maybe the greatest catcher of this era, Buster Posey. That's Stop sarcasm. Uh, but he'll be there, three time World Series champion. Bruce Bochi will also be there. So Tony's going to talk more about that because he was mentioned in a piece by Dan- Daniel Brown in The Athletic talking about how coaches, Tony's like, um, believes that coaches should be in the Hall of Fame. So he had, you know, legendary Dave Duncan pitching coach and how he helped so many guys. And the article faces is around Ron Wotis, the third base coach, former bench coach of the San Francisco Giants and how he helped and he's been with the Giants since like the 80s and how LaRusso believes that coaches should be in the Hall of Fame. And Tony also has the new role as the senior advisor with Joe Madden, those dudes down there in L.A. So, a lot to talk about with Tony.
2: Yeah, the uh, – I agree with him. You know, I mean, you think about some of these guys, they're so instrumental in – being phenomenal coaches and it happens in all sports i mean think of you know bill belichick bill belichick was a incredible defensive coordinator and was a defensive coordinator of one of the great defenses of all time and as right now they're doing the top 100 nfl guys as you know he is mentioned on there if you see the the promos for it where he says, I was I was fortunate to coach the greatest defensive player of all time in Lawrence Taylor. You know, he goes on to be a Super Bowl-winning head coach, and we now look at him as arguably the greatest NFL coach of all time. But let's say he never got the opportunity to be an NFL head coach. Was he good enough to be a Hall of Fame defensive coordinator? George Seifert with the 49ers? When you think of guys who are just, like, incredible coaches. I mean, Dave Duncan, look what Dave Duncan did for for a Hall of Famer in Dennis Eckersley. Look at what Dave Duncan did for Dave Stewart's career. Look what they did in St. Louis. I mean, these guys should get credit. Like, we mentioned Bill James. People who change a sport, that's why Tommy John should be in the Hall of Fame. Tommy John won 280-something games and had the surgery that changed the sport. Remember, the Hall of Fame, no matter what sport we talk about, is a museum about the history of the sport. And the people who get put into this museum are the people who, who helped change the game? If you helped, like Tony Larusa, change baseball, that's why he's in the Baseball Hall of Fame. And people helped him do that, just not the players. So I I, I agree 100 percent about what is going on. Uh, you know, kind of a movement here to say, hey, listen, there's people that should be there in Cooperstown. And I love the fact that Tony's sticking up because someone like Tony carries a lot of weight when you're you're trying to make this movement. But you think of Dave Duncan and what he did in his career, he helped build Hall of Famers. He helped build great players who won World Series. He should. Guys like Dave should be in the Baseball Hall of Fame. And we do have the Hall of Famer, Baseball Hall of Famer, A's Hall of Famer. Tony Larusa joins us here on A's Cast Live once again. Tony, thank you for taking the time today.
7: Well, I'm looking forward to the conversation. I think it's a Well
2: one. Yeah, I, you know, I think of what Dave Duncan did with you. And what you guys did and helping players, like turning around Dennis Ackersley and helping him be a Hall of Famer, bringing in Dave Stewart, who won all those big games for you, what you guys did in St. Louis with your pitchers and your championships. I was mentioning, like, defensive coordinators and offensive coordinators in football, guys who win Super Bowls. These coaches should be allowed to have their name etched in history, and I think Dave Duncan's a great one because what he meant to you, he should be in the Baseball Hall of Fame.
7: Well, I agree, and you know one of the uh, careful things that you do is when you brag on Dave, and he deserves every bit of it. You know, you don't want to disrespect other coaches, pitching coaches, because there's been some really good ones over the years. Uh, In that same conversation, Dave and I were were in, in uniform early in our career when we ran into Charlie Lau, and if you think about what's happened with hitters are now not only hitting for average, but for power. A lot of it has to do with Charlie's ideas about weight shift and getting through the ball and extending. So I think the point is that, you know, the hall is a, is an unbelievable place and uh, writers and broadcasters are recognized. And I, I, I think it's, you know, really, really important that coaches uh, get the same kind of recognition and, Every organization has their key guy. I mean, that's why I think we always – a lot of us are talking about would get every organization to recommend their candidate because, you know, like a George Kissel and a Dave Ricketts from St. Louis. And I know Toronto talks about Bobby Maddox. So every organization has them, and they deserve to be recognized.
2: Yeah, I like that idea because, like, for broadcasters, we have the Ford C. Frick Award for all the great play-by-play guys is you could you could develop a award like that, Tony, and that's how we could honor these guys and get them into the Hall of Fame.
7: Yeah, and I think the uh, you know sometimes uh, players of that have got you know more time away from the game. Remember, in the old days, uh, coaches were more friendly to the to the manager, and they were they were useful, but they were not as critical. But that's because. In those days, you know, you had your work you your way through as a player through D, C, B, A, AA, W, A, Tournament. So you had, you know, four, five, six years' of experience, and a lot of guys in the minor leagues were the ones that were teaching you how to play. Well, for a long time now, at least for the last, you know, 30 years, uh, we've been rushing young players in. There's a great deal of coaching that goes on, not just in player development but at the major league level. So uh, more than ever, I think that uh, – you just mentioned, you know, some of the guys that Dave helped uh, that have made a lot of money, and uh, and I think they would be the first to stand up on his behalf.
2: Yeah, Tony, I, I don't think fans they don't get the chance to see it, but they they don't realize how hard these guys work. I mean, the game's at 7 o'clock, but these guys are getting there at 10 a.m., 11 a.m. They're out there helping guys, whether it's throwing bullpens or it's batting practice or it's in the cages, and now with so much video out there that these guys are watching. And you know as a skipper what all the work these guys are putting in to help you guys win.
7: Well, that's a great point to make because with this uh, onslaught of information, comes you know the responsibility to to learn it to, you know look at it and in baseball six months you know, every three days you're playing somebody else so the uh the responsibility to to try to get ready for a series is just really awesome and and you know they usually get to the park at 12 and they leave at 12 and the game is about the players that's why the hall of fame i always thought you could just recognize managers saying on saturday rather than sunday but it is about the players but the coaches uh, the work ethic and their expertise, they go hand in hand now. And you finally have to have a certain uh, personality that you keep your ego in check. And it, you're all about making them better. This is not about you.
2: So you've now joined the angels with John Madden. And I know there's some exciting Joe Madden, Joe Madden. Yeah. And, and it's an exciting time because bringing him back, I mean, that's the organization he grew up in. And of course, Artie Moreno's going to spend a lot of money. How excited are you about joining up with the angels?
7: Well, I'm excited for a lot of reasons. Uh, you know, I know my brief time with major league baseball after I retired, uh, and I had a chance to go around and see the different teams. I met Artie, and I realized, I mean, he has a as much of a passion for the game of baseball as anybody that's an owner or ever has been. So, you know, that's that's fun to be around somebody who just understands how great the game is. Uh, at the same time, uh, you know, Joe, uh, I'll give you Dave Duncan a quick story here. Uh, back in the 90s, uh, Dave and his wife Janine went to uh, some clinics in Europe when he came back, he told me, he says, man, there's a guy that I just spent two weeks with. It's really a great baseball man. This is the '90s, and he said. And that guy was Joe Madden. So, you know, I, I really I've had conversations with Joe. You know, we really believe that uh, in the you know taking the information of today, and but you got to blend it with the traditional responsibilities of coaching and uh, and 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 making decisions on the spot. The value of you know the dynamics of the game. So it's it's an exciting time and uh, you know, it's all about challenges. So I'm looking forward to it.
2: You know, one thing when I talk to your ex players and we talk about you, they talk about how you establish great relationships with these guys and you're still friends with these guys, these guys that went to battle for you. And I think the same thing with Joe, the relationships he has built over time, that the players know that he cares about them. And there's something about that. Tony, we're still in the people business. These are still human beings. you got to deal with them every single day. Life's not always easy. Just talk about how Joe was able to establish these great relationships with his ballplayers.
7: Well, I think if you had the first, first step to leadership today, it's establishing these relationships. You just can't stand in your office or send out memos directing you know you really get to get to know each other you need to earn the respect and trust of the players you have to show that uh, you care for them and i mean even today you, you look at coach belichick and coach popovich you know they've been doing it for years and years and years and and their players swear by them because not just that they're smart but because they've earned their respect and they have this uh, brotherhood type of relationship so joe you know joe has done that and that's one reason that uh not just the fans of the angels but uh, our whole organization is very excited to have him as our field leader
2: yeah we know the a's they have their core we think they're going to be very good we know the angels are going to try and do everything they can to get rolling again the same thing with the texas rangers opening up a new ballpark there in arlington but as someone who has been in the game a long time what are your feelings about what's been happening and what, what the houston astros have been accused of
7: uh, well, you know, it's, I'm, I'm definitely a believer in the American justice system, which is, you know, you're innocent to are proven guilty. I know there's a lot of talk. I do know that Major League Baseball has been aware that there have been abuses. You know, as soon as they start introducing some of the technology and the cameras and all that stuff, uh, you know, it's possible somebody would push it. I don't know where the Astros come down on it. I just know that it's uh, something that, uh, should be condoned level playing field should be what what it is and uh, we'll see where it goes
2: your website arflife.org is a great website and we t- said last time we talked to you we know you have a big event coming up that we 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 would talk about it and bring you back on so tell us what's going on and all the great things you're doing with arf all
7: right well, this, is, this is your first scoop man this is uh uh, I'm just driving by the art facility now. It's 15 years old. There's some leaks in the roof, so we need to re-roof it. And years ago, in the you know the late '90s, we used to do something called Baseball Stars the Rescue, which is an autograph show. We haven't done it for years, so to help pay for the re-roofing, I, I started out by calling four guys, and they all said yes. They donate their time, and then I've checked out with four more guys. So. January 11th. This is the first anybody's heard of it because I can't even announce the venue because we're still settling on where we're going to do it. But we've got this sports stars to rescue. We've got Buster Posey and Bruce Boshy. We've got Albert Pujols and Mark McGuire. Uh, We've got Dennis Eckersley and – oh, man, I'm missing somebody really big. Hold it. Let me see. Eckersley, McGuire, Pujols, Posey. Oh, Dave Stewart. And then to get you, know, we want to get younger too. So we got Marcus Simeon and Jack Flaherty, and there's still more invites. So that's eight solid guys that are going to sign. You know, 200 autographs. They're not taking a dime, and all the money goes to ARP. So it'll be uh, January 11th from about nine to four, and more information to come. And I'm counting on you guys to help get the word out.
2: Well, I mean that. I mean that's a lineup right there, Tony. That's some that's some star power right there.
7: Yeah, I, that's well, that's what we had in. Uh, Cog and St. Louis, and that's what he used to tell me. Just tell us what time the game starts and where we're playing, and get out of the way. And I said, "Yes, I will." Thank you.
2: <laughs> and then also looking at your website, you have the concert "Stars to the Rescue" on January 18th.
7: Yeah, it's a week later, and this is when this will be our 29th year. But we're here again. We get entertainers that donate their time. It's called "Stars to Rescue," and our you know our headliner, our closer is uh, Trace Atkins. And we do a special veterans thing right before it. And you know, he is a huge patriot and supporter of the military. We also have Elaine Boosler as a comedian. We have a couple of stars from Trans Siberian Orchestra, and we have some called Pacific Mambo Orchestra. So that's Saturday on the on the 18th. And uh, I mean, you know, you're you're a nonprofit man. If you raise money, you do programs. Without resources, you know, you got as good ideas, but you can't help. So we're out there hustling.
2: You know, it's amazing what animals do for you in your life. You know, we, we have a puppy, and to see what this puppy means to my wife, what this puppy means to my kids, and it's just like pets are so good for the soul. And it's been proven scientifically that if you have a pet in the house, it's going to make spirits a lot better. And just talk to that, Tony, how getting these animals into homes means so much. It means so much for the animals and it means so much for the people who take them on.
7: I uh, think yeah, it's probably the way we distinguish ourselves. I appreciate you for mentioning that because um, we started out, you know, Elaine and I was mostly about it was all about people rescuing animals. We were just just traumatized by how many uh, b- tremendous companion animals, puppies, dogs, and kittens, cats were being euthanized. But uh, in about the third or fourth year, we started realizing that more people understood the value that they have improving the quality of our lives. So we added that animals rescuing people. So uh, we do that now with uh, a lot of our volunteers. I think last year, you know, when you go to hospitals and senior homes away from their uh, families, uh, I think we're at uh, over 200,000 people were being reached. Well, eight years ago, we started also putting veterans with PTS with dogs. And, uh, and the dogs we rescue are all just going to be euthanized 24 hours later. So it's called saving lives at both ends of the leash, pets and vets. And uh, here again, you know, it's, it's magical. You just said it. I didn't, there's, there's no medicine. There's no machines. You put that companion animal in your lap or when you come home and it's unconditional love uh, and scientifically, whether it's your blood pressure or other ways that you measure the improvement of quality of life, it's, it's like a miracle, but it happens.
2: So you got the concert on January 18th, and then you got all these great players, former and current, going to be getting together and signing autographs for you on January 11th. When do you think you'll be able to announce the venue?
7: Well, I'm actually driving right now to one place I'm hoping to nail it down. But, uh, you know, we've, uh, we're have we trying to estimate how many people might come, and that's kind of the – but I would say by middle of the week, end of the week for sure.
2: All right, Tony. Anytime you need us, and you you need help promoting any of your events, you you know we're here for you.
7: Well, you make sure you get the A's, get that email list, blow it out there with the information. Because, like I say, we got Stu and Mark and Nick and uh, and Marcus, and maybe more. You never know.
2: All right, we will promote it. Thank you so much. You have a uh, hopefully you know what. Hopefully we'll be able to talk to you. But if we don't, have a great Christmas, happy holidays, and we'll make sure we get people out there on January 11th.
7: All right, I appreciate it. Thank you.
2: The great Tony LaRusso, the Hall of Famer. Yeah, I mean, what these pets. We had our cat for 17 years. 17 years. Unfortunately, Riley, we had to put him down. And then now we have a dog, Spencer. And what the dog means to the family, it's It's unbelievable. It really is unbelievable. What do you got? You have a dog, and what's your dog's name again? The Commander. That'd be Leia. Leia. She's uh. Oh, that's right, Princess Leia. Yeah, she's like
3: a year and a half old. Her and Spencer are like the same age. They're best friends, also. Frenzies. They're friends of the program, but they're <laughs> also best. <laughs> the they're best friends outside <laughs> of the program too.
2: Hey, uh, I'm saying we attend this thing on January 11th. Uh, Those names?
3: Yeah, I mean, how cool would it be? I mean, to see McGuire there.
2: Yeah. Albert Poolhouse.
3: Hey, Tony's with the uh, the Angels now. You don't think he's going to try to get Mike Trout to show up?
2: That may have finally. Non- that might be our f- non-friend of the program, Mike Trout. <laughs> we have tried. Swear to God, we have tried for years, even before we started A's Cast. I tried to get him on the old station I was on. I tried to get. I mean, it's like Trout, bro. You're the guy. You gotta talk. People want to hear from you.
3: I thought I, I thought this year we had the perfect pitch for him because one of the events at the Coliseum was Weather Education Day, and Mike Trout's a big fan of doing weather reports. I thought this is perfect. The Angels are in town on the day of the Weather Education Day, and the Angels are like, yeah, sorry, Mike's kind of like over that now, and he's talked about it too much, and it's like, again, like, you got to learn to market yourself, man. You're the face of bait. You're supposed to be the face of baseball, but you and Mookie Betts, like, you guys aren't getting yourself out there enough. Like Mookie Betts is a great personality. He just would, I, How do you know? That's what I mean if you if you didn't watch the the only the one thing I saw him do that was incredible. They mic'd him up for a spring training game. Carl Ravich and Kirchin and all them were there for yeah. a game. And they hit a ball someone hit a ball to right field and he was talking to me. He goes, All right guys, all right, I gotta go off this one. Oh, don't think I'm gonna get that one. Like middle of the play, just starts talking to these guys. And it shows off his personality. And I think that mic'd up stuff does great. They did it for the All Star game. That's a way people can learn the personalities of the players that they don't know because baseball doesn't always
2: market itself. I sent you a good article, and I agree with it. And also, I got an idea for baseball. That's all coming up next, right here on A's Cast Live. Now, back
1: to A's Cast Live. A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend.
2: All righty. It's always great to have the Hall of Famer on, Tony LaRusa. Can the Angels buy their way back into it? I, I I just wonder.
3: I got a great buying or selling question on that. You're going to be blown away with the information I read earlier.
2: Oh, my. I'm going to be blown away. By the way, you know what Major League Baseball should do? They should really get together with everybody – from presidents to the head of PR. And they should, you know, do something like, hey, everybody, we're meeting in Arizona and we're going down. Get your marketing people, get everybody, and get everybody in one room and just say, folks, we're not doing a great job promoting our game. Because let me tell you something. When the president of the organization, I don't care how much money you make, I don't care if Mike Trout is making four hundred and thirty-eight million, whatever it is. When the president of the organization comes to you and says, "I need you to do a little more," that carries weight. Maybe even the owner, Artie Moreno. Hey, we we, we need you. We're paying you a lot of money. We need we need you. We need we need to promote the game because right now. I can tell you, there's so many PR people, and thank God our, our guys are not like that. There are so many people that are afraid to talk to these guys. Like, they are like, oh, you can't talk to these guys. You know, the quarterback of a football team talks each week. Derek Carr talks to the media every Wednesday. Is it every Wednesday, I think it is? I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo, you know, Tom Brady... Tom Brady talks to the media. Tom Brady has a radio show. Nobody in baseball has got it better than Tom Brady. Much as I love baseball, nobody's bigger than Tom Brady. If Tom Brady can talk to the media once a week, you can talk to the media once a week. Because they're making it to a point. Because the baseball tradition is we open the clubhouse. You can go in and talk to these guys. Well, if the guy is never around and the guy is always hiding, and you're not benefiting our game. You have to benefit our game. And as you mentioned, Commander, miking up guys during spring training. You know, the one thing that's going to change baseball is gambling. When, when I don't know when it's happening, but at some point, you're going to be able, on your phone, at the game, or at home, are going to be able to be like, guys on second base, I can bet X on whether he scores or not. That is going to be the future. That is going to get, even though millennials don't love gambling, I think people will get into that. That's like, a, that's, that's like better than fantasy. I think that will be something big. But getting your guys out there and having them talk and making them available. You know, these huge series, Houston comes to town. Do we get to talk to Verlander? No. Why not? Why why, why can't he speak? And all these – look at the Golden State Warriors. The Golden State Warriors figured out, all right, Everybody wants to talk to these guys, and they want to talk to them after every game. So you know what we're gonna do? We're gonna bring out. I'm we're gonna bring them out sometimes together, sometimes by themselves. So that's why, like when you're watching NBC Bay Area and they're doing Warriors post game live. Well, now you don't know who any of these guys are on the team, but uh, the last few years. They bring out Steph after every game. Draymond, Clay, Durant, they all came out and talked after every game. and it makes it easy. You bring them out, everybody gets asked them a few questions, and then they're gone. Versus everybody huddling around inside the locker room waiting for a guy to get out of the shower. You allow them to shower, you allow them to do their business, they come out for a couple minutes, and that's it. Well, I know we do that in baseball, But I I think you need to treat it more like football. Where Mike Trout comes to town, you know, at the beginning of the series, Mike Trout's going to talk to a group. we've We've got a media room that the A's and the Raiders both use. You can bring him in. All right, guys, you got three minutes. I mean, you can't take three minutes out of your day to speak to the local media. Like I said, every quarterback gets on a a phone call. Every Okay, first of all, every quarterback is going to at least hold a media scrum every week at home. Every quarterback is then going to have to call in to the opposing team's media. I don't know if a lot of people know about this, but the head coach – and the quarterback will both call in. Sometimes it may not be a quarterback if your quarterback's not any good and your best player is like a running back. But for the most part, like, for example, take the Raiders or the Niners. Each week, it's going to be Shanahan, Garoppolo, it's going to be Gruden, it's going to be Carr. And they're going to call in to the whoever you're playing. Like last week, uh, Ravens for the Niners, Raiders – Kansas City. Carr's going to call in and Gruden's going to call in and they're going to be asked questions by the Kansas City media. Well, why can't we have something like that? I mean, you can't get Trout to talk. It's like you need your star. Your stars have to lead the way. Stars matter. And I think for any of these, you know who's a pretty good talker? Bryce Harper. Bryce Harper's very engaging. Not easy to get him. Why not? If I can get Tom Brady, you want to go down to what Tom Brady's done in his career versus any of these guys? Like any anybody in American sports history, you want to you want, you want to go down what the 42-year-old, he's been slumping a little bit lately, but you want to go down what he's done He's a six-time Super Bowl champion. He's a four-time Super Bowl MVP. He's a three-time Most Valuable Player. He's a 14-time Pro Bowler. Tom Brady talks multiple times a week, and I can't even get Mike Trout once in a season? Mike Trout, you haven't won a thing. You haven't won one thing. This guy talks every week. He's won six Super Bowls. He's played in what? Eight. He's played in eight Super Bowls. Won six. He's got a weekly radio show. He's got to talk to the. He's got to talk to his media. He's got to talk to the opposing media every single week. And we can't get you for a couple minutes.
3: He's played in nine Super Bowls. Actually, I just Is it remember. Nine? It's nine. He lost. He lost. Just lost to lost the most. Or which one did he lose to? The Eagles won. He lost the two Giants and the Eagles won. And he's won six. So nine. He, lo- he lost both the, those two years of the Giants, and then they lost, what, two years ago to the Eagles. Remember? Because last year they beat the – uh who did they beat in the Super Bowl last year? I already forget. The Rams. So, anyway, uh, by the way, Brady gets paid like over a million dollars in that hit with WEEI in Boston. He
2: should. He's Tom Brady. That's right. He's played nine Super
3: Bowls. Uh Also, do you remember the part where he – the
2: <laughs> He's played the nine Super Bowls.
3: Uh, even Belichick does a radio hit with them.
2: Nine Super Bowls.
3: That's pretty good. Mike, right. Trout, Mike Trout's played in three playoff games.
2: And lost all three. To the Royals. And you know what? Hey, listen, I have all the respect. He's one of the greatest players of all time. And that's why I talk about him because Mike Trout's the goods. But but you got to talk. Promote, I mean, even because he's a guy who doesn't like promoting himself. That's fine. I thought Trout did a good job when he, Tyler Skaggs, and he stood up for the organization. So it's in him. It's in him to do it. But we got to get everybody together in baseball going, hey, guys, uh, your stars, they got to come out and talk. Hey, by the way, uh, when the A's come to town, uh, we're going to need either Olsen or Chapman to get up and talk. How good that would be? It would be good for them. I've got more ideas. I'll give them to you next right here on A's Cast Live.
1: This is A's Cast Live. Your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. Marshall, left field deep. Bam going back. Here's Chris Townsend.
2: Two years ago, if you would have told me Blake Trinan was not going to be with the A's anymore. Because he wasn't very good and you didn't want to pay him $8 million, I would have been, what? Blake Trinan in 2018. Is this any good? He was 9 and 2, 38 saves, with a 0.78 ERA. A zero in 68 games. He struck out 100 batters in 80 and a third. Blake Trina was an all star. Blake Trinan was 6th in the Cy Young ballot. He was 15th in the MVP. Blake Trinan got MVP votes. One year later, he's 6-5, 16 saves, with a 4.91 ERA. Shocking. Struck out 59 guys in 58 and two-thirds. I mean, you talk about a dramatic change. And it was hard, you know, people want, is he healthy? I mean, the velo was there. He got hit. And I don't know how. Like how do you how do you hit a ball that's going sixty eight that's going ninety eight miles an hour and sinking? Like how do you hit that? It, it was it, it's it's crazy. It's crazy to think that we could be learning that Blake Trinan was not offered a deal. A deal has to be offered by five o'clock today. If not. He's a free agent. And as Martin Gallegos from MLB.com, who covers the A's, he doesn't think they're going to make him an offer. So either they got to trade him with two hours to go and get something for him. Maybe they do make the offer. We don't know. Maybe they believe they can fix Blake Trinan. I mean, wouldn't that be wonderful to have Liam Hendricks and Blake Trinan together being dominant? Like That's like the old Blue Jays, Ward and Hinky. That can, that helps you win a World Series. I mean, if you had the durability back, you had the nastiness back, and you had two guys, you're locking down 8-9, 7-8-9. I mean, for Bob Melvin... My God, and if you could get Lou Trevino back going, then you have three guys for the end of the game. It'd be amazing. I, if, if I remember, if I recall
3: correctly, a team has done this already. That'd be the Royals four years ago. How they won a World Series? They had three guys that were elite at the back end of the bullpen. Wade Davis closed out games. You had Greg Holland and you had Calvin Herrera all through gas. What do Trevino, Hendricks, and Trying to do it, they all throw gas, and they all throw, and they were all great at one point. And those guys of the Royals, though, were just unbelievable. And now those guys have moved on to be closest for different teams, so it could be done if you can get those guys back. The A's, I mean, they should be the favorites when they Are know. you
2: willing to pay him eight million though?
3: Me, no. But I've seen. I mean, I just seen a. Well, the, I, I've seen I, the track record of him from the past few years before. If you t- if you exclude last year, I also. would
2: I would pay the guy. The guy that went nine and two with a zero point seven eight ERA, that guy's a no brainer at eight million. I mean, he's a no brainer.
3: I mean, he still has a career. I mean, for reliever, the ERA under three is still pretty good. I mean, he has he's had a nice career. I mean, he got a little. I mean, he came up the majors is about twenty six. So I mean, he's been pitching in the majors since twenty fourteen, but. I mean, even Baseball Reference has they have him projected as a bounce back candidate with a three seven seven ERA. I mean, that's that's not that's not where you want a yeah, guy like him to be, yeah. but so, still, it's better than the the almost five you had this year.
2: So, Baseball Reference projects a five and four record. Record doesn't for a reliever, uh, fourteen saves, and a three point seven seven ERA. For a team like the A's, you can't pay eight million to that. So, we got two hours. Will they, you know, Josh Figley has to have some value. Has to. He had a very good year. Threw the ball well. Hit. I mean, he's not, he's not Johnny Bench, but, I mean, he was pretty good, right? He was respectable.
3: At one point during the season, wasn't he leading the American League in RBIs? earlier in the for year, cause, catchers. Because he had that career that career he game in game, Pittsburgh. What was it? Eight, eight nine, RBIs, yeah. But yeah, I, he had a great year. I mean, I mean has
2: he not I mean, to me, watching him every single day and knowing all the catchers that are out there, there is a spot for him, if not potentially starting.
3: Yeah. And he had, what, two thirty eight last year? And he but then
2: again, why am I you know, if I don't think because with the A's making the trade today if you're just joining us, Jerickson Profar is now with the San Diego Padres. Padres send to the A's. Austin Allen, a catcher, left-hand hitting catcher, because that's what, as we talked with David Forst and knowing Billy Bean through the years, you know, every everybody wants a right-handed hitting catcher and a left-handed hitting catcher. And what Austin Allen brings, he brings pop, We've heard he's not great defensively, but he's not going to play every day. Murphy's going to be the starting catcher. But what Austin Allen does, it gives you now a left handed bat off the bench. So if Bob Melvin wants to pinch hit, and then on days where you're going to rest Murphy, Allen can serviceable behind the dish, I guess. I'm trying to get a scouting report on him. But uh he can hit. And he can hit for some power. So you don't need Fegley. But now that I, I'm talking my way through it, I mean, if I'm another team, I'm like, I know they're not going to pay him, so I can just wait for him to be a free agent. I think the same thing with Trinan. But here's the thing. If you want him, right now, you could exclusively be dealing with ODAs. Once they're free agents, everybody's in play. So, how bad do you want and how bad do you think these guys can? You know, if you want Fegley, you want Trinan, are you willing to give something up for them? Or do you want to play the waiting game, let them become free agents if they think, if you're a, another team and you think they're not going to make that offer and they're going to become free agents? And how many teams? Because. There are a lot of teams. You know what? Coming up, there's a whole new philosophy. It it is pretty interesting what's going on in the game of baseball today. And some teams, it's a big strength for them. We'll talk about it next right here on A's Cast Live.
1: A's Cast Live. Now back to the town. Here's Chris Townsend.
2: Boom, boom, boom. Good to be back here on A's Cast Live. Will Leach from MLB.com is going to be joining us. And he's got a, a, a good article about the best 10 players of the decade. And yes, Mike Trout is number one. But the names, I mean, these guys are, it's a who's who of list. So I was thinking, you know, the one thing that certain teams are doing better than other people is that they look at your assets, let's call players' assets, and they look and they go, you know, if we get this guy, we could make him better. It's become a great skill in the game. It's one thing the Houston Astros have dominated where they go, give me your Verlander, give me your Cole, and we'll make them better. Give me your Grinky. That's why I wonder if there's somebody like that out there for Blake Trinan. You know, it's like we can fix it, it's like a car. It's like we can fix this. We can fix the car, put new parts in it, and it's going to run better, and it's going to run faster. And that's, you know, with Blake Trinan, is somebody out there like that? Or do the A's feel? That's the thing. It's like, every, you know, we're, we're acting like he's for sure gone. He's not for sure gone. But the A's could save about $8 million, which frees up money for somewhere else. Freeze up money for later in the season. See, that's the thing about flexibility. Everybody wants to spend all their money in the offseason. I'm not saying teams do, but fans do. Yeah, I like not spending all in the offseason. That's what happened to the Philadelphia Phillies. Phillies spent all their money. Season didn't work out. And so the talk was at the deadline they didn't have any money to spend didn't they didn't want to spend it so that was that was a problem for them it's always better to have a little money left in the kitty so when you need cuz you're going to need some help you're going to get you're going to get to the training deadline and you're going to need hey you know right now we don't know what second base is going to look like we don't know so could there be a second baseman out there on a team that's not winning that the A's could pick up at the deadline? Well, they might be able to do that because they have extra money that they didn't pay Blake Trinan. But then again, you look at the deal Pomeranz got. Pomeranz got paid. And it wasn't like Pomeranz had a great year. He had a great second half. That led to four years, $34 million with San Diego. Like, when I saw it, when did that go down? I think I was in New York at the time.
3: Uh, I w- want to say it was like, I saw it on the cruise. It came up on the ticker on ESPN at one of the bars. And I was like, Padres are going to deal with Drew Pomerantz. So then I'm, like, I'm looking like four years, $34 million. But it, I think it was like last, like, I want to say Tuesday or Wednesday. It was before Thanksgiving, I
2: thought. Okay, maybe I wasn't on the road. L- let I just re- me check. I just remember when it popped up on my phone, I went, are you kidding me? Mark O'Brien, a lot of people out there might in the baseball world might know Obi, who played baseball at San Jose State and was the head coach at Santa Clara and coach at Stanford. He's now in the agent business. I believe he's the one that still represents Drew Promeran. So maybe we should get Obi on to talk about the deal and about getting deals done right now. All right, so this article is the best – 10 players from 2010 to 2019. I'm already starting to see. We're starting to do the year-end stuff already. I'm not ready for any of this. I'm not ready for Christmas. I'm not ready for New Year's. I'm not ready for top moments of 2019. I'm not ready for it.
3: There's a, there's a couple I sent over to you that we can do on Wednesday or Friday. Like The best hitters of the decade, best pitchers of the decade, the best games of the decade. So there's a lot of good stuff that's coming up. Plus, you have till to, tomorrow – to vote for the all MLB teams, so make sure you get Marcus Simeon and Liam Hendricks on those on the first team.
2: All right, number one, best player of the decade. I mean, it's Mike Trout. Three American League MVP awards, and in this article, he says you could argue he could be seven. He could have won it almost every year of his career, except the one year he was hurt. Seven Silver Slug Awards, eight All-Star Games, (laughs) and there's still no player within 13 war of him in the decade. Mike Trout, a dominant force. Number two, wasn't shocked by this because we forget because he hasn't been as good, but Clayton Kershaw is number two. He came up at 21 years old. So you start thinking about what he's been able to do. Four consecutive ERA titles. Wow. Three National League Cy Young Awards. Clayton Kershaw will be a Hall of Famer. Number three, also a guy that's going to be a Hall of Famer. I don't think anybody's going to dispute this. Justin Verlander. Even though his World Series numbers aren't great, his other playoff numbers are great, but his numbers are... Justin Verlander may be the last guy to ever get 300 wins. I mean, if he really wants to pursue it, Verlander might be that guy. Number four, Max Scherzer. Max Scherzer's been incredible. I mean, you think about the Cy Youngs, the Cy Young voting, been a dominant ace, no question. Number five, he's... I would say he is more a metrics darling than anything else. And that's Joey Votto. Everybody loves Joey Votto's on-base percentage. He gets on base. Makes me think of Moneyball. As I said earlier in the show, I just watched Moneyball with my kids. When Brad Pitt is pointing over, what does he do? He gets on base. And there were times where, you know, he was hitting dingers. He had 37 home runs in his MVP year, but he plays in that band box. I mean, that the great American band box. ball explodes off his back. What else you got?
4: Can't hit the curveball.
7: I mean, he's the kind of guy walks into a room, his d- already been there for two minutes.
1: I'm just saying, his girlfriend is a six at best. Guy's an athlete, big,
2: fast,
4: talented. Top of my list. I like guys oh, like that they really have got a little hair on their ass. <laughs> kind of ugly.
2: <laughs> Number six. An ace killer and a great player, gonna be a Hall of Famer, Adrian Beltre. I don't think we, uh, I don't think anyone would dispute that. Number seven is Miguel Cabrera. He is gonna be a Hall of Famer, Triple Crown winner. Trout still should have won the MVP. Number eight is Commander Cody's favorite player, Buster Posey.
3: I think he's too low. He should be higher. He should be right behind Mike Trout, to be honest. Let's see. I actually think Miguel Cabrera is too low, to be one hundred percent candid. I think he's too low. Cabrera was unbelievable before he got a little older.
2: He's uh, yeah, he's he's older and he hasn't totally been healthy.
3: Like those, like from two thousand ten to two thousand fifteen. Like
2: if you could say right now, who do you want? Who do you? Let, let me finish off here, so we got to get to Will. Uh, number nine, Chris Sale. Never won a Cy Young, which is crazy. Pretty dominant though. Yeah, he's but- crazy. He's a nut job. Uh, And number 10, I thought this was a little too low. Jose Altuve.
3: A lot of people forget he was on those really, really bad Astros teams. Lost 100 games in a row three years. Really bad. 100 games three years in a row. Yeah, they were really bad. But he's
2: won an MVP. He's hit over 340 twice. He's a terrific defensive. All right, so quickly going down the line here. Miguel Cabrera or Adrian Beltre?
3: Ooh. I would go Cabrera still. I think, I think Beltre, Beltre is going to be a Hall of Famer with 100. percent I think he's the best third baseman I've seen play. In my lifetime, that's better than Scott Rowland, who's defensive wizard. But Beltre's pretty good. Miggy
2: or Joey Votto?
3: Uh, Cabrera and I like Votto.
2: Then I'm not going to compare him to the pitchers.
3: I think. See, I think he's he should be ahead of someone like Scherzer
2: because he plays every day. How about Verlander? Should he be over Verlander. I mean,
3: Verlander did the same thing though. Verlander had a couple down years, kind of like Cabrera has, but he was dominant for a certain stretch.
2: Kershaw, I have no problem with yeah, Kershaw Kers- being n- number two.
3: I have a problem. I don't know who who's. I mean, who's been better, Kershaw or Verlander?
2: Ker- uh, Kershaw.
3: I mean, they both won MVP awards. Kershaw has yeah. more Cy Youngs, but they both won the MVP. They're both dominant for a certain stretch. And again,
2: Verlander has played in the American League, where he doesn't have an easy out. Tougher yeah. to pitch.
3: Also, a guy that's not on there, and this is me being completely biased, but a guy that was really good for a stretch, I'm not saying he's top ten, but he's probably top fifteen. I think Andrew McCutcheon should be for what he for how good he was and people are in love with him. Well, if you're gonna put Buster Posey on there for just winning three World Series, Andrew McCutcheon was a, I thought Posey
2: was, was rookie of the year. Posey won an MVP. McCutcheon won an MVP. Yeah, I bet I'm just saying. I mean, I understand why you put him on the list. Oh, well, yeah, the rookie of the year thing. And by the way, at the end of the day, the game is about winning World Series.
3: No, no, I hate that argument, though. I don't mean history, world scary.
2: I mean, the game's about winning World Series. That's what it's about. Will Leach, who did this article, will join us next right here on A's Cast Live.
1: A's Cast Live. Now, back to the town. Here's Chris Townsend.
2: Will Leach from MLB.com is going to join us coming up here. Got to ask him. Rod Manfred, the commissioner, has met with presidential candidate and Senator Bernie Sanders as Bernie has stepped in trying to protect minor league baseball. As baseball has talked about, getting rid of like 40 teams because they say the facilities aren't up to par for the for the players plus they don't want to pay as many players because so many of these guys really don't have a chance to make it in the big leagues by the way our, our pseudo uh padre insider my brother is working on a scouting report of austin allen do we have will Will, Chris Townsend here with the Athletics. Thank you for coming on the program again.
0: Please, my pleasure. Thanks for having me.
2: So it looks like uh, Rob Manfred and Bernie Sanders have had a little powwow. Is Bernie Sanders <laughs> going to be able to save these uh, 40 minor league teams that it looks like Manfred and baseball wants to chop off?
0: <laughs> a natural alliance. I think we can all <laughs> agree those two have long uh, seemed like best pals. Uh, you know, it's a, I think baseball was a little – surprised, uh, to be honest, by, by kind of the backlash to this. I think it's worth noting So when the when the story was first floated, they were going to get rid of some of these minor league teams. I think that it wasn't a really a big deal until that story in the New York Times by Dan Barry, which really showed the human toll of this. And I think they, they've tried to balance this out. I think there was an argument toward a greater efficiency and maybe a little bit more professionalism in the minors, but I do think they kind of went at this with an axe when maybe a scalpel been uh, a better call. So, whether we can – whether or not Bernie Sanders and, and Rob Manfred are a natural alliance, I do think there's been enough backlash on this. But I think you'll see Major League Baseball, maybe not dial it back, but uh, try to try to uh, not just like unilaterally put something uh, across like I think they kind of wanted to.
2: Yeah, you know, I was just in New York two weeks ago with the Raiders when we were taking on the Jets. And I, I have a friend, she's one of the main lawyers for the NFL. And we talked about how – you know, when you, when you live and you work in Manhattan, you're really in your own little world. And sometimes I think that, you know, I think it happens with football. I think it happens with these sports where everybody, a lot of the people making the decisions are, are in Manhattan. And they may not really understand how the rest of the world lives. Does that make, it, does that make sense?
0: At someone that lived in New York City for 13 years and now lives in Georgia, yes. That very much makes sense. I think that that's absolutely true, and I think that they, I, that that is really what was lost in this. You know, it's it's not. Ju- I think it's a partly a New York thing. A lot of it is too. Baseball is all about efficiency, and you know, it's all kind of run by hedge fund guys now, and so they can look at an Excel spreadsheet and be like, well, this is this is, uh, this market is underserved, and this market is overserved, and this so on, so on, so on. And you just don't see, I think, kind of what Dan Barry saw in that great New York Times piece about how many people's lives are actually affected if you, uh, if you, if you give rid of these teams. And really not just that, but it's the larger issue. And this is an issue that baseball struggles with a lot, is uh, not just baseball, but really all sports, the difference between short-term financial game and long-term health of the sports. And you know, to me, one of the key arguments uh, for supporting these minor league teams is you're Cultivating younger fans. This is a big part of it. Anyone can tell you that, like a lot of uh, being there in person and being able to see baseball in person is what makes you a baseball fan for life. And uh, and these games are cheaper. They're more accessible for a lot of people. I think that uh, I I think that sometimes when you're in New York and you're kind of, you're very focused in that kind of hedge fund Wall Street type of world, you can miss out about uh, not just uh, the way normal people live, but really what's good long term for the health of a game because. Sure, sports, baseball is a business, but it's also more than a business. And it only survives because people have an emotional connection to it. And I, I think that, I hope they're realizing that a little bit more now, but I think the the way they went about it, uh, the way they really go about a lot of things lately, uh, feels a little bit more cold blooded than necessarily what would be good for the sport.
2: So we got the winter meetings next weekend in San Diego. We can't wait to go down and do this show. And, you know, we've had some signings already. You know, the last couple of years it's been pretty cold in the winter with not a whole lot of moves. Are you expecting to see some some drama, maybe some fireworks down in San Diego at the winter meetings?
0: I I do. I I think you will, and I think there's a couple of reasons for that. One, we're already seeing some moves. We saw Mike Moustakis. Uh, signing today with the Reds, and and you know you've seen uh, uh, so, some just so a, a few more active moves than than we saw at this time last year. I was a, a larger part of it too is you've got some big market teams that may make some moves that are counterintuitive. The idea of the Red Sox potentially trading Mookie Betts or the Indians potentially p- trading Francisco Lindor, those are moves that are on the table. There's a very real possibility those could happen, uh, and if that does, I think that loosens things up too. Uh, because those are decisions that are gonna. That I think it's you know a lot of times with free agency, sometimes it will benefit teams to wait. When it comes to trades like that, it really doesn't. Like it really, it's not in the Red Sox's interest to sit around if they're thinking about trading Mookie Betts, or if the Indians are going to the right, do the same thing. That a lot of times one move leads to a counter move, and leads leads to a, a strike from a from a rival and so on. So yeah, I think uh, it's hard to go much slower than it went last year. <laughs> As someone that writes about baseball professionally. Boy, I was struggling for things to write about and talk about (laughs) in January of last year. I certainly hope that it goes faster this year, but it's hard to go slower than it was last year. I do think you'll see it speed up a little bit, whether it's the winter meetings or not. uh, I'm not sure. But certainly, I think also a lot of teams heard people's complaints, and frankly, there's Potentially a labor issue coming up in a couple of years that would benefit teams to not look, not, to not have it look like the way that it looked last year. So, yeah, I think I think it'll uh, loosen up a little bit. and Frankly, I think it's good for the sport when it does.
2: I'm going to give you a new job title. I'm going to make you the GM of the Oakland Athletics. And you've <laughs> you've got about an hour and a half left before this deadline at five o'clock. Blake Trinan last year had a historic year, 9-2, a 0.78 ERA, 38 saves. He got Cy Young votes, MVP votes, but this past year wasn't very good at 6-5 with a 4.91 ERA. They project that an arbitration will probably get around $8 million. The A's have to make him an offer by 5 o'clock or he's a free agent. You're now running the team. What do you do?
0: Uh, I, Again, to be fair, it is not my money, so it's very easy for me to say that. But I, I, I think, I think there's enough there in his reputation, and you know, it's not like his success was a really long time ago. Like weird season happens, seasons happen. We've seen this for Crown. loud, I remember two years ago, uh, Ken Giles was thought to be this. Uh, he, he was once a, a great closer, and he was thought to have completely lost it and was falling apart entirely. He went to Toronto last year and maybe had the best year of his career. Generally speaking, I know relievers can be a little fungible and things can go weird on me and get away from a fast look at Wade Davis as a good example of that but I don't think there's a sense that Trinan has completely lost it a lot of that's still there uh, I think eight million is a reasonable enough amount of money to either you're going to be able to get that back from what you get from him or frankly if and if he's really good that gives you a lot of options there eight million to me doesn't seem too much even if things if either he struggles uh, $8 million is not that crippling. I'd go ahead and do it. I think there's enough talent in him uh, to go ahead and give that a shot. But, again, it is not my money. If it were my money, believe me, if I had my brothers, I would sign all the players. Give me all the players. I want all the players. But uh, it's easy for me to say that. But I, I think it's worth keeping him around. Uh, it- it's not that oppressive that amount of money. I, th- I think it's worth giving
2: it a shot. And, you know, you look at the American League West, our division – is going to be really interesting this offseason. And really, it's the A's who have their core. They're pretty much set when you look at their starters and you look at what they're going to have as position players. But you start looking in other places. You know, the rumors of Garrett Cole coming back home. You got Joe Madden there now in Anaheim. Texas wants to spend money and bring some star power in with their new ballpark. And then we have the dark cloud that's hanging over the Houston okay. Astros right now. How do you think that's going to play with Rob Manfred and the Houston Astros in this investigation against them?
0: You know, I I think that uh, I think they're going to get hit hard, but I think it just maybe depends on what people's definitions of hard is. I think a lot of people want, uh, like, well, they should be banned for the postseason. That's not happening. That just to be very clear, there is absolutely no way that's going to happen. That is not how Major League Baseball works. That's not how professional sports work. That is, no one gets the SMU treatment. Uh, I think they're going to get hit hard in a way similar to maybe a little probably a little worse than the way the cardinals were hit hard when they were kind of involved in that kind of spying scandal of a of a taking a bet draft picks or taking away information from Houston of all teams i think they can get hit by that but I don't think it's the type of thing that we're going to see affect them right now, or at least in the next couple of years. I think down the line, I think it will affect them, but particularly for a team that kind of plays tight on the margins that they do. But I I don't think it's something that you can look at now and say, oh, well, this makes them more vulnerable in 2020 or 2021. I'm not sure I see that, but I do think it does make them more vulnerable. And I think it gives an opportunity for a team like Oakland, because you talk about those other teams in the division, Generally speaking, whenever a team wants to make a splash or make a big headline signing, I get real nervous when that happens. That's how Alex Rodriguez signs for that amount with the Texas Rangers. That's how uh, that's how a lot of mistakes get made. Look at the Angels. The Angels are desperate. They are in a situation they are clearly trying to win now and being willing, willing to spend heavily to do that because they've got Mike Trout. They don't want to waste Mike Trout anymore. That makes sense, but that often leads to – well, the type of decision making that had them bring in Albert Pujols for all that money, in a, lot, in a lot of ways. To me, that's why the A's are in a good spot. I think the Rangers want to do that too. I think they, I can see them if they're going to get signing Anthony Rendon, who I think you know they they like to be able to to make a big splash with. They're going to have to dramatically pay him a pretty a, a crazy amount, probably more than maybe the Nationals would have to pay, for example. So that puts the A's in a good spot. I would argue uh, that uh, they do have that. As you said, they do have that core together. They've got a lot of players that are that are not only cost-controlled, but I think uh, kind of stable in the system over there. I think you got to figure out the Chapman thing. But on the whole, the, the, the team that seems to me the most stable in that division right now and has the most locked in and doesn't have the uncertainty of the Astros thing, it's the A's. And so I think that's a good thing. It might be scary if the Rangers spend a bunch of money to get Anthony Rendon. But that is not going to solve their pitching problem. That's not going to solve their bullpen problems, And it's not going to make them better than the A's. So in a, in a lot of ways, maybe it's okay if they spend that kind of crazy money. It shouldn't be scary because I'm not sure it makes them as good as maybe they think it will make them as good.
2: We've talked about your fun article today on MLB.com where 2020 is around the corner and we're going to close out this decade. And you did the top ten players of the decade. I mean, pretty easy at Trout number one. But were the rest, was it tough to do?
0: Yeah, we've been doing this series all year. We did a position by position thing, uh, kind of throughout the season, every couple of weeks. Uh, to, to, to choosing between Buster Posey and Yadier Molina, my, I think I've, I've, I've uh, agonized me to be able to do that. But uh, yeah, but it's kind of culminating in this big thing at the end of the year where we're doing the best players of the of the decade. next week we're doing the best franchises. We're doing the most shocking moments of the decade. They're definitely the best players of the decade. Obviously Trout was easy. But what was fascinating is in this decade that really has in large part, been about offense and kind of how uh, – both, I guess, strikeouts and offense and homers and all of these things. After Trout, it seemed to me the best players – best three or four players were all pitchers, yeah. whether it was Justin Berlander or Max Scherzer or Chris Sale or, uh, or of course, Clayton Kershaw. There are – it was interesting to see longevity-wise of people that have been good the whole decade. There really weren't a lot of hitters. There was an Adrian Beltre, who retired a couple of years ago. Joey Votto uh, was on there. Uh, Jose Altuve. But there really weren't a lot of guys who, for all of 10 years, I like think Donaldson had a, had, a, had a moment on there. But on the whole, it's really been the pitchers that have been uh, put the most lasting careers together, which so I was not expecting. I have to say when I sat down and kind of researched it, Trout was an easy one. But really, your, your studs for the decade have really kind of mostly been pitchers outside of him.
2: Great stuff. Will, we appreciate it. We'll talk to you soon. Of course. Thanks for having me, as always. Will Leach from MLB.com. All right. I've gotten the scouting report of the A's new catcher. Coming up next, we'll do buying or selling, and I'm going to update you the scouting report from the Padres on new A's catcher Austin Allen next right here on A's Cast Live.
1: Now back to A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend.
2: All righty, Jeff Passan reported today that the A's have traded and Profar to the San Diego Padres for triple-A catcher Austin Allen, who got a little time in the big leagues last year, but has power. So I reached out to my Padres insider, connected to the organization. Wink, wink, my brother. So here's the deal. A bunch of these guys, including our own Grady Fuson, they're all members at San Diego Country Club. And my brother's a member at San Diego Country Club. So he plays golf with all these guys. Plays golf with Grady. uh, So he plays golf with these Padre guys. So that's why um, my brother's become our Padre insider. (laughs) Scouting report on the new catcher for your Oakland Athletics. 25 years old, Austin Allen. He's a pretty advanced left-handed hitter. Has steadily improved as a catcher the last few years. Hoping he turns into a, are you ready for it? Who do you believe in? Who do you believe in? Steven Vogt. They project that he could be a Steven vote type player.
3: It's not bad. It's a it's a good comp Vo, vote. Voters had a nice career. He just signed a he just signed a contract to the Diamondbacks.
2: Stephen Vogt has turned himself into something.
3: You want him, myself, and Coco Crisp all have in common.
2: What do you, Steven Vogt? Oh,
3: Masahiro Tanaka as well.
2: Oh well, I mean the first thing I would think is birthday.
3: It's it's we had all the same birthday.
2: Uh-oh. Well, it's great that you always bring it back to you. Yeah, well, it's what a great producer does. that's what everybody cares about. So I mean, you think about voter's career and his best years being as an Oakland Athletic. I mean, he made a couple of All-Star teams. You know, his vote got better with age. I mean, the A's got him for nothing, but you know, I mean, he had some pretty decent years for the A's: 18 bombs, 14 bombs, 12 bombs. Was definitely a leadership type guy. So how do you feel about that scouting report? Pretty advanced, left-handed hitter. You throw him with Murphy's going to be your main guy. This guy will be your backup. And then this guy gives you a left-handed bat off the bench as a pinch hitter. You like it? All right. That's your scouting report. That's the scouting report coming from the Padres.
3: I don't think I've scoured Twitter this much during a show, even going back into my days. So there's still days. nothing on Blake Trinit? Nothing to- on trying to- uh Addison Russell was not tendered by the Cubs. As well as Danny. Really?
2: Remember, remember Danny do you remember Addison his... Russell's a free agent. Yeah. Well, I mean there's a lot of He's baggage, got a with baggage with it. Baggage. Have you ready to do buying or selling this unbelievable question that you supposedly have for me?
3: Oh yeah, I forgot about that. Let me get this ready. Was it ready for it? Alright.
1: It's time for buying or selling. So
3: sell. right now
1: with Chris Townsend on Ace Cast, a's cast
3: Live. Well, we're going to keep this streak going because I said we were going to, even though we only have about two minutes, so I'm going to try to do it as, best, as fast as I can. So about a week ago, 15 experts on at ESPN.com were polled on the hot stove questions for the offseason. They're executives and front office insiders for, for ESPN, essentially. One of them was about Garrett Cole and where he will go. Many agreed it would be with the Angels, but they didn't agree on the money. Nine said Garrett Cole will come close but fall under the $300 million, And six said no chance that he gets it. Now, remember, David Price has the biggest contract in Major League Baseball history for a pitcher at $217 million that he signed a few years ago with the Boston Red Sox. So, buying or selling, Garrett Cole will not get $300 million
2: this offseason. Well, Scott Boris. Has a desperate Angels team in front of him. They're desperate. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm selling. I don't think he gets 300 million. I think he gets like 280, 270. I was somewhere around. I mean, there. it's going to be the biggest contract ever for a pitcher. No, it's going to be up there for
3: one of the bigger contracts in the history of baseball. Yeah. All right. Here's the question. So juicy rumors surfaced over the weekend on one of the, on top of the Josh Hader news I told you about. Mookie Betts' his name came up again in trade talks, and team mentioned is kind of a surprise. Joel Sherman of the New York Post wonders if the Angels and Red Sox could link up on a trade. He said if the Angels and Red Sox could agree on a deal, including David Price and Nathan Evaldi, this might help the Red Sox to trade bets, be more willing to trade bets to the Angels.
2: Wait, they would get Price and Evaldi? Yeah,
3: that's what he's saying. So they are like, so basically taking all that salary. Yeah, it's kind of what they did with the Dodgers for years. You remember, they yeah. had a Crawford and all those guys. The Angels would have to be willing to take on the salary and this allows Boston to start over under Heim Bloom. The Angels' outfield would then be Justin Upton, Mike Trout, and Mookie Betts, along with Otani, Angelton Simmons, and Pohlhost in that lineup. Oh, and potentially adding Garrett Cole. So buying or selling Mookie Betts will get traded to
2: the Angels. I'm selling. Do you know how much money that is?
3: Artie Moreno doesn't care. He he wants to win. Maybe, hey, how how fun it would it be if in that in that deal they the, the Red Sox took pull us back?
2: Well, then that's a whole different deal. Yeah. That's, that's a lot of money that's, still in the book. That
3: just came to me right now.
2: That's a lot of money coming off the book, right? Well, because here's the thing. Uh, you got four hundred million in Trout. Mookie's gonna get three hundred million. So that's seven hundred million. Garrett Cole, you're saying is going for 280. That's now 980 million. And if you're taking on Price and you're taking on Evaldi, this is this is this is billions. This is with a B. -b -b -b. Artie Moreno's got a lot of money and they make a lot of money, but that's a lot of that's guaranteeing over a billion dollars.
3: Yeah, I mean, good I mean, you're gonna see two of the the two best free agent pitchers get close to half a billion. That's B with a that's billions with a B, half a billion dollars this offseason when they sign their deals. Because if you were Strasberg's probably gonna get what? Maybe two hundred million? Even though he's thirty one and then Cole's gonna get what he gets. So you gotta see a guy two guys get half a billion dollars this offseason. I can't wait. So still nothing on Blake trying by the way. The most I've scoured Twitter since my sports talk radio days when NFL free agency hit.
2: Is that it for the show? That's right. All right that'll do it for a's cast live don't go anywhere we're gonna replay the entire show. We'll be back on Wednesday talking about a what's a, what, a's giving week a's week of giving I so we're we're gonna be we're gonna have some fun with this and so we're gonna be doing it all week long and of course on Thursday don't forget I'll be uh with David Forrest And we'll play some of that on the show on Friday. Dave and I are going to host an event uh, at